one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Online and on TV at Freeview Channel 723. Official broadcast partner of the Premier League. Talk Sport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me for another action-packed show. Loads of guests lined up for you. Loads of awesome boxing chat as there's been quite a lot going on in the last seven days. How are you, big man? You well? Yeah, I'm very well. How are you, fella? I'm all right, mate. You know what I mean? A little bit jet-lagged. I'm, I'm, I'm basically turning into you, Gareth, with all these emails that have been clocking up over the last 14 days yeah, or so. But you know, I'm, not I'm just starting the, to feel like you. I need ha- to grow my hair a little exactly. bit. Exactly. It's not just ermiles, it's hair miles as well you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lot coming up on the show. Jordan uh, Gill or uh, Dave Colwell. I love the way that they've written our uh, little uh, our running order here, Gareth, where they said Jordan Gill or Dave Colwell will be turning up on the show uh, just before 10 o'clock. So we'll be speaking to one of those two guys. We've got a young lad coming on the show called Alex Delmarni. Uh, we're going to get stuck into that and there's loads of things uh, to be speaking about from the world of fight sports that have been happening uh, over the last seven days or so and you're more than welcome to come and join us on the show. 08717 uh, You're also uh, uh, able to get in contact with us via social media as well at TalkSport if you want to join in with any of the uh, talk topics tonight and I think we should start uh, going back a week to Las Vegas and to Tyson Fury uh, and that performance. Um, I was ringside, and unusually for you, Gareth, because you've probably been at every single one of Tyson's fights over the years. Um, I want to get your take on watching it maybe back home in front of the TV screen. What did you take? What did you take away uh, from the big Gypsy Kings win? Well, I've got to say, first of all, it could be Jordan Gill, Dave Caldwell, or Nicole Kidman. I'm informed, yeah? And you can choose your... We want to hear from who you want most out of those three yeah, to come on with us I'm tonight. going for the latter. I'm I'm going for the latter. I think I am as well, being a secret fan. There we go, it's out. Um, uh, well, look, I mean, I've got to declare that for, for, for mysterious health reasons, I couldn't travel last week. Um, it was very peculiar watching it um, from afar, Adam. Um, I, I, I thought it was very, very far from, from vintage Tyson Fury. Um, I was wor- very worried about the cut. Um, I think it may well have been stopped if it wasn't Las Vegas. I'm sure there was that fear at ringside. Um, he didn't seem keyed up. It was... Um, I, I just thought it was a peculiar performance, even though he dominated round 6 to 11. Yep. Um, I felt... 
I was kind of not on the side completely of his father, John, who was very critical of the team around Tyson, but that was not vintage Tyson. He didn't look fluid and clinical and clean with it all, notwithstanding the cut, of course, because that did create a lot of issues. But yeah. I, that that version of Tyson Fury is not going to beat Deontay Wilder. I no. add that styles make fights, of course, but that, it, something about that concerned me. And I looked at the punch stats afterwards, Adam, and Tyson has not been hit that often in a fight since he fought Derek Chisora way back in 2012, I think it was. That was the most he's been hit in a very long time, either by Deontay Wilder, Vladimir Klitschko, and all those other important fights that he's had. The thing I take away from the punch that um, situation is that the bigger the challenge, the better the Tyson Fury. And obviously going into that fight, Otto Weil and a lot of people are expecting a similar performance to what Tyson gave us in the Tom Schwartz fight. He goes in there, he gives us a fantastic ring walk and he blows the kid away. It didn't materialise that way because of that cut. That cut was absolutely horrendous. And I agree with you, Gareth. Uh, I think it was around round five, round six. The cu- a couple of people sat around me. I looked at him and I went... Listen, I think Tyson might lose this. This might get pulled because it wasn't a headbutt, it was a punch. And if he would have been pulled, it would have been a TKO and the victory would have been uh, offered to uh, to his opponents. I think if it, if it was any other fight, and not just Las Vegas, if, it, if that was it happened in the, in the Wilder fight, I think the fight gets pulled because we can always come back and go again another day. You know what I mean? We can always write off uh, a TKO loss in a Wilder fight. But a TKO loss at that situation to Otto Weilen, that would be absolutely catastrophic for the bandwagon that was supposed to be on heading towards that Wilder rematch. Um, I think he was very lucky for that fight not to be pulled. However, what I think he did show Tyson Fury is that he can fight. We, we know that he can box. We know that he's one of the best when it comes to the, to, to the sweet science. But he changed the pace of the fight for me. Because of that fight, he couldn't keep that at range because he couldn't see out of that eye. And he had to get on Otto Wilden's chest. He had to brawl it out. And like you've just said there, from round 6 to 11, he absolutely dominated that fight. A very different type of fight that we all envisaged. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that, Adam. Um, Obviously, look, I mean, we know by now that he has a very, very fine... Uh, boxing IQ. We know he's a very, very hard man. We know he's incredibly determined. You don't lose all the weight he lost if you're not as determined. You don't come back from the kind of depression he's been involved in if you don't have a champion's mindset. He's got all of those things, all of those qualities. Um, You know, I, I think... Um, in many ways, like you say, the cut dictated uh, a, a manner that he had to fight in and he did mm. have to kind of squash and squeeze the space between them. What I didn't like in the first three rounds, um, I wanted him to be... I, I was convinced, and I'd spoken to Ben Davis and his trainer before, I was convinced he was going to start and match Otto Wallin from the Southpaw stance and out-jab him to begin with. Mm. But even in those first three rounds... I think he I think he looked overtrained to me in in a lot of ways that and 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 Ben has spoken about that that it's hard to keep Tyson out of the gym and and in the yeah. build up to the fight I remember asking Tyson like in the week before in fact it was on the Monday of fight week I spoke to him in the afternoon after a training session we did a little Skype chat for half an hour and he said to me that 
he cannot remember the last day. He reckons it was two years ago that he didn't do two sessions in a day. And that's mm. what worries me a little bit. I think he did look overtrained. I think he's too light. And that's where I come down on the side of John Fury. I think I like Tyson at just over 19, maybe even 19.4. That's the weight I like him at, you know? This was his lightest since Vladimir Klitschko. Um, I don't think he's trying to look aesthetically amazing because he'll always... He's a very, very big man. But mm. um, I... I, I agree do you not think? With... Do you not think? Do you not think John was slightly harsh though on Ben? Yeah, of course I mean... he was. He was very harsh on him. I know yeah. we're gonna have a. I know we're gonna have a little session tonight where we talk about trainers as the fall guys because yeah. Rob McCracken's come in for a lot of flack recently with yeah. Anthony Joshua and others. Um, and and yeah, I think John was harsh, and I think one of the reasons is obviously. John, for, for, for visa reasons, wasn't able to travel. Um, and I think if he'd been closer to it, you always get a different picture when you're further away. Um, yeah. I think Ben's done a, a, a remarkable job with Tyson, the bond between the two men. As you know, I go into the house with them and visit yeah. them at their house. The, the bond they have, the team are wonderful around him, and he's very happy around this team. So I think his happiness is as, means as much as anything else. I think John's being critical in a, in a very technical technical boxing way listen the great thing about Tyson Fury I wrote a column on the Monday or the Sunday after the fight which is this the great thing for Tyson Fury is that not only does he know boxing he's got a lot of people around him who know boxing inside out he's from generations of fighters for, in his family and they will not sugarcoat things they will tell him the truth about himself he hasn't got a lot of yes men around him he hasn't got a kind of major commercial entourage so in many ways there will be a lot of truths being spoken at home after this fight it's a relief that they got through it because as yeah. Mick Williamson said this week our, our most famous cuts man um, who learnt from the great Ernie Fossey over here in the UK who was the greatest of cuts men the good thing about the size of that cut as Jorge Zapatillo was able to do, was that he was able to get the adrenaline swab right inside that big cut, the one yeah. that concerned them more than any, and the one that will need the most um, treatment and recovery is that one on the actual eyelid. Yeah. That's the danger punch that could... That's the danger cut that could reopen. So all those factors... Listen, he got the job done, but I tell you, there would have been two promoters by the name of Aram and Warren <laughs> sitting there having kittens during that I, fight. I, I spent the second half of the fight watching, watching them, them. To see, to exactly, see where exactly. they were at. I, and funny enough, I noticed that the cameras weren't on them at all from TV. No. They would have one, been... One saving, one saving grace, though, Gareth, that cup, he's now got to, he has to spend time away from the gym. He has to because of obviously the the recovery time. He won't be allowed to spar just in case it opens up again. And the the talk of maybe him fighting again in December was really rife last week. And I'm delighted in a way now that he, he has got that injury and that is now going to give him some serious time off. The next time we see him in the ring, hopefully, is going to be in the Wilder rematch. No yeah, I think it'll be made. Or anything like I, that. I, I, honest yeah. to God, sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I honestly, there's a minimum. Seven weeks after the, you know, the stitch. Remember, the stitches are inside yep. and outside for these kind of cuts. Um, internal. 40, 47. There you go. 47. 47. Stitches, internal yeah. and, and, and all the, the, the staples that go in there yep. as well. All these things, you know, he cannot afford it to open again because it'll be another two months again. And he's got to do hard sparring for Deontay Wilder. He's got to have someone coming at him trying to knock his block off. That is the kind of sparring and training he needs to 
head of the Wilder fight. Not on the two sponge um, sticks. Yeah. It, it's got to be hard sparring. He's got to be sharper than he was the first time. He, um, you know, the thing is this. I don't think, in my view, I think by the time they heal properly, by the time he sees the physicians, I don't think they'll fight till May, Adam. I think it'll be around about May time by the time we get that fight. I think that sits well as well with uh, Wilder and Ortiz. We're hearing that that might be the back end of November, and if that is announced, hopefully over the next week or so, he comes through that fight. That gives that gives us a nice build-up to that rematch, doesn't it? It gives us a good five months, and all loads of fans will be screaming at us now, saying we want it in February, we want it in February. Listen, we want Tyson Fury to win the fight, don't we? That's what we want him to do. Let's give him the best chance. Heal up, rest up, have a bit of time away from the gym, then get, as Gareth's saying there, get back into some serious sparring and set us up for a bit of Cinco de Mayo. What do you reckon, eh? Let's and, see if we can take off at Vegas I, again. It, absolutely, but one other thing, Adam, is this. It just highlighted the things that can go wrong in boxing. Oh. You cannot write off, you cannot write the script um, for boxing. And this is the problem. We saw it with Anthony Joshua in June against Andy Ruiz. The apple cart of the heavyweight division, boxing's blue-ribboned division, that mm. cut... What Jorge Zapatillo did by, by keeping Tyson Fury in the fight and maybe Tony Weeks by not panicking over the cut yeah. and Fury having to dominate all those rounds to make sure the fight wasn't stopped. Because if he'd been in trouble, as he was in the 12th, by the way, and yes. let's talk about the 12th round in a minute, but the, the fact is that if, he, um, had, had, if that fight had been stopped, and remember... The corners, and I don't know if you in the arena were aware of this, but on television you were aware that Ben Davison, who was interviewed during the fight, thought it was from a head clash and yes. not from a punch. So I did originally. That, I originally thought exactly. it was there, but until they showed the replay on the big screen about in round four. and then Exactly. So, see. So, so for a couple of rounds, and Ben Ben was interviewed in round five and and found out from one of the, um, from Bernardino, I think it was, uh, one of the um, ESPN interviewers who interviewed him during one of the rounds that ah. no it was it, it was deemed um, or even though the referee had told them it was it was a clash of heads it wasn't deemed illegal by Bob Bennett and the Nevada State Athletic Commission ringside so they changed their game plan from round six and that's why he went out trying to well dominate or even trying to stop Otto Valin and you know you look at all those factors um, you know, you, 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 I thought they were pretty composed in the end, the way they yep. did it. But, I agree. You, you know, I, overall, that cut, if that had been stopped and Otto Valin had taken it, they'd have had to rematch him. Of course, they would have had to rematch him. But that yep. could have cost millions, tens of millions of dollars for a show against Deontay Wilder that really ought to gross not less mm. than, I would say, 100 million US dollars. Mm. Uh, just a quick word on Valin because he's going to kick himself he did have Tyson going definitely in that 12th round if he maybe put his foot down a little bit earlier you never know what could have happened and I'm, I've got a little bit of a prediction here do not be surprised if Otto Valin uh, turns up in the UK over the next six to nine months fighting a certain Mr Daniel Dubois what do Correct. you reckon? I think absolutely spot on um, probably if, um, if Daniel beats um, Mr Tete Yes. Um, next Friday at the, uh, the, the the brilliant venue of the Royal Albert Hall where Nicola Adams fights. Well, I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, it would not surprise me to to see them both in a European championship fight at some point. Not a surprise at all. No, absolutely. Um, earlier on this week, um, we had a little bit of a press conference in Manchester which saw the announcements of Anthony Crawler's last dance. You're going to hear for a million dollars in a moment or two. Stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. <laughs> 
Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Hope you are well. Don McGuinness caught up with Million Dollar Crawlier. Crawlier? Crawler earlier on this week at a press conference, and this is what he had to say. Anthony, this is the final press conference. Now, it is. let that it's sink in. Fight week. Yeah, other than fight week, and I didn't think of that. And one of my mates texted me before and he went, oh, if it is your last one, which it is, um, you know, enjoy today. And I didn't think of it like that. And I think it's probably it's probably best, really. I'll sort of think about that after the fight. You know, people, a lot of people are saying to me about will it be an emotional night. Yeah, it will be an emotional night, but I can't think about getting emotional till after it may be in the changing rooms or back in the hotel, whatever it may be. And... Um, and that's it. It's you know I've got. To, I've always said boxing. You can't fight on emotions. You've got to stick to your plan, and and that's what I do. You know, Saturday, November the second. Just after your boxing career, is fashion going to be one of the things? I mean, I know you, you like your hats, and you, and you, but, but you know you're getting you're getting right out there these days as well with these yeah, trousers. Yeah, I can't help it. And yeah, this, I'm not I'm not going to lie. As you can see, they're not to everyone's uh, choice, but. <laughs> he's, uh, you got to be in shape to wear him. I'll probably give yeah, you that. That's straight off. He's one of them. You're, um, yeah. I like something about that. You know, I'm always been a little bit different. Um, yeah, multi, more, uh, how would you, you describe? I suppose multicolored tracky bottoms, but in a different rainbow coloured cotton pants with a matching t-shirt. Yeah. Exactly. Thank lovely. you. That means a lot. <laughs> now this this last fight at the arena. It's your house. We know yep. that. It's where your great nights have been. Yeah. What's it going to be like for you to make that walk one last time? Yeah, I said it's it's something that I've got to take in, uh, but at the same time, not let emotions run too high. I've got to go out there, enjoy it. I do it's one of my favourite parts of boxing, the ring walk, all the hard work's done, you walk to the ring, knowing you've got to, got to carry out your job. But it's, it's something that I miss so bad, the buzz you get of walking out in front of your home crowd. In any crowd, especially your own crowd, where you get great support, is something that I will miss right up there as much as anything. Um, and that's it. I've, I've just got to got to be professional about it. Professional about it. As much as easy as it would be to get carried away and play up to that, I can't allow that to happen. You say that you are going to miss it. and We've, yeah. we've had so many examples of sports people that just can't leave it alone yeah. and, and have to keep coming back because that buzz is just too addictive. Of course. Why are you happy that you'll be all right? I'm, 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 you know, I know that it won't be easy and I know there probably will be times where I'll struggle. And I, I hope, as daft as it might sound, I hope I wake up November the 3rd and put a good performance and I hope people are saying, you know, you still can be at world level. What are you doing? You know, you're 32, 30, nearly 33. Do you know you've got another year or so, and I hope that happens. But I've got to be strong enough, and I will be to say, no. Do you know now's the time to walk away, go out on a high. I've, I've had a great career, achieved everything I wanted to, and do you know you can't be too greedy and uh, hang around for longer than you should. So it's will be times, like you say, I've said openly said I'll probably struggle at times, but you've just got to be strong enough, and you've got to be. You know, there's a lot of things that you miss out on with the family and stuff like that. I don't want to be selfish to them, and I want to be a good example to the young kids who are, who are coaching the amateur gym, rehab coach there. So I just, I just think you've got to get out at the right time. You've always said as well that it's very hard to get more out of boxing than it gets out of you, yeah, basically. That's it. But you could leave in that, that sense it. like that, couldn't and you? I, and I genuinely believe that. I believe some people disagree, but I believe all my marbles are still there, and. 
you know, it's been good to me. House made it's, it's made life easier for my family, uh, and I've had some unbelievable nights. Took me to places I never imagined it would, and hopefully I'll still see those some of those places, even when retired. But um, it's you know like. I believe I'll be one of the lucky ones. And listen, there'll be some who do it, but I've also seen the not-so-lucky ones, and I never want that to be the case with me. I'm sure you've imagined every detail now of this last night already, yeah. in terms of the shorts. I know Maybe how much I know how much you put into week. all of this. I mean, it's so yeah. important. Everything's got a match, obviously. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, everything, like, see, it's mad, because I'll go to Melissa this week. <laughs> um, we'll talk, we'll go through it, and it's like... It's the last time I'll be going and getting myself a pair of fight shorts, and it's like I said, I'm trying not to think too much of stuff like that. Like, I said, well, what, what are the design ideas already? I mean, what, you've, you've Mate, won, you've won there. As long as they're matching my boots and gloves, it's okay. But yeah, you got a colour scheme in your head? No, do you know what? It might be something I've not had before. I won't go as loud as these pants, that's for sure. <laughs> right, and, and in terms of, we don't know the opponent yet. There's no, nothing, nothing uh, official. It certainly won't be Tommy Coyle. We know that. that that's, is that the case? Yeah, just you know, Tommy's been mentioned a few times. He puts something on social media, and I like Tommy. Honestly, can't not, not like Tommy. Uh, mm. But it's never put to us, and I didn't. The only reason I didn't reply, I was away, and I thought, yeah, I don't want another fight. Um, the missus giving me a good idea because I'm talking boxing while we're away. But um, see what you know it comes up with. He's coming up with a few opponents now, and you know, good opponents. So we'll see, mate. Is that a tricky thing for you though, isn't it? Because you want to really test course, yourself in every yeah. fight, but really. I do. Joe's right as well, isn't he? Because he just wants yeah. you to have something that you can but, just enjoy. Yeah, but it doesn't always work like that, and I might drop down to you no know, disrespect the level of opponent, and I don't want to do that. So I want to put in a good performance. Like I said, I want to wake up. I want to wake up Sunday, the third of November, thinking I've still got loads left, but um, I'm strong enough not to not to take it any further. So it is the end. I know you're yes. already training Dylan Evans, and yeah. you're already doing great stuff like that. That's obviously something you're going to progress. You can go to every United home and away now. Yes, Kazakhstan in November. Of course, that's already in the diary. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. in the diary, late, the, late November. So you, you have prepared for a number of years, really, for this time, haven't you? Yeah, like you say, um, obviously this deal, in time I might take more fighters on, I've been asked, but I've just got to make sure about that. Enjoying it with the amateurs, really enjoying it with the amateurs, so I'll, I'll spend that time you know, with them. Um, hopefully, like little bits of media, which I love. Um, yeah, stuff like that, really, mate. And you know, there'll be other, other ways. There's some. There's a lot of things you miss out we'll on. We'll have you on here as well, don't we? Ah, oh, I'd love to. Yeah, little bits for talk sport, of course. I. Um, do you know? I, I like to see you speaking about what you love, so I can do that all day. <laughs> no, <clears throat> sorry. Just finally, then about obviously the. Uh, the kind of end of the road now, the the arena. But in terms of the bill itself, obviously Katie is there now. What, what, yes. what, how how is it going to pan out on the night? Does she go I last? Have, I have no idea. Um, Eddie said something about keeping us till last. Then I don't. Joe, you know, I don't want to know. I don't. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to be uh, a Derek Chisora moment. Then and ask Eddie <laughs> and Adam who's topping the bill and stuff. But I, I, you know, listen, Katie. I've got a lot of respect for. She's a great girl, great fighter, and it's a top fight that. Um, Whichever it may be, whether, like you say, I'm sure I'll speak with that ready, whether they keep us in last without sounding beginning, I'm, I'm sure the majority of the crowd mm. will be, you know, from a, from myself being in Manchester. But, um, you know, I never want disrespect. You won't be tipping any fight. tables, whatever happens. I won't be tipping any tables, whatever. And, you know, Kate's a great fighter and she's a great girl, got a lot of time. For 
I think the majority of boxing fans agree with what Anthony just said. That it is Anthony Crawler's night, November the 2nd, his last dance, uh, even though there's a fantastic world title fight for Katie Taylor on that undercard. And I'm using that lightly because she is the main event fighting for a world title. Uh, myself and Gareth are going to uh, go through Anthony Crawler's career in a moment or two, so do stick with us. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. We sort of met the storm head on. Within a minute into the fight, I knew the fight was going to end exactly how it did. Crawler will not be denied, and Watson is having to fight on instinct now. And that is the shot that Crawler's been looking for. It's all over, and the British champion is Anthony Crawler. I said after the fight, that it, it, uh, I, I put so much into this camp, and um, it was every bit as tough as what I expected it in there. But I thought I'd come through, and that's what I did tonight. Murray backing up, in trouble, all over the place. has stayed educated and he's stayed to his, his plan and he's been absolutely brilliant. So Jorge Linares wins the unanimous decision. Basically, I mean, he won every round except maybe one or two. What's my prediction? Anthony Crawler's out of his depth. Linares absolutely ripped him apart and now he's just being thrown to the lion's den. Crawler is going to go out fighting and he can't take it anymore. Down he goes. Vasil Lomachenko proves... His class. Very disappointing. So I, I, I don't want to go out like that. I'm going out, like I say, on my own terms, and, and that's the plan. Phenomenal to hear some of those uh, pieces of commentary over the Anthony Crawler career. I don't know about you, Gareth, but you come across some fighters sometimes that exceed all expectations. My first dealings with Anthony was back in 2008. I got to watch him at Bolton Arena against Yusef Alhamidi, and mm. he lost that fight. And I remember mm. watching it thinking... He's never going to go on to be a world champion, but if he corrects a couple of things, maybe, and at the time he wasn't with Joe Gallagher, if he, if he takes a more professional approach to his game, then he could maybe go on to become British champion. He most certainly went on to do that. Um, and for him to have achieved all the things that he's achieved and to have fought in America against Vasil Lomachenko, from that moment in 2008, I, I, if somebody had told me that then, I'd have, laughed them, I'd have laughed them out of Bolton Arena because I would never imagine that would have happened. Well, I completely agree, Adam. And the, the great thing about Anthony Crawler, he's testament to... I mean, to name the, the, the title of the book that Michael Bisping's just put out, Quitters Never Win. And he's mm. not a quitter. And I think, in many ways, like you say, I remember he, he, he avenged that feat to Yusuf Alhamidi five months yeah. later. That was his tenth, ninth or tenth fight at the time. And if you recall, you know, he had a very kind of decorated what I would call journeyman career. You know, all these great fights with Gavin Reese, a former world champion at lightweight, and um, Stephen that was a real, Foster. That, jo- yeah. that was a real coming of age night, that Gavin Reese one. Because oh, I yeah, think Gavin Reese had just come, oh, yeah. I think he just come off the back of Adrian Broner getting beaten off Adrian Broner and Andy Gavin, and then he came back and fought Anthony, mm. who had been to wars with the likes of Derry Matthews, and with the performance that Anthony put in that night, that was a moment that I, that I then went, hang on a minute, this kid could actually do a bit. And he obviously went on to then become world champion. But but I think, you know, he, he earned his stripes as a, 
you know, as a as a as a very very tough competitor yeah. in in British European levels um, at lightweight, and he, he was comfortable at lightweight. You know, and you only think he got all the way to thirty five fights, and then really. It was something outside the ring that suddenly made a name for him, and that was yeah. In in in, and that's when he, you know, I started to write, and and many others, by the way, started to write big things about him because it was an act of civil duty when he chased burglars at, um, in a neighbor's home and he fractured his skull and broke his ankle. At the time, he was expecting to fight Darlies Perez um, for the WBA um, uh, lightweight title at the time, back in 2015. Or, or it was 2014, I think, where it happened. It was in the December, I think. And that yeah. moment... The, f- the made... fight was scheduled for the February, wasn't it? it was, That's I right. think it was late January, early February, that the world title attempt was scheduled and then obviously that, what you're talking about now, happened, which kind of threw everything out the window. Yeah, and I think what it did, um, it, it made it, it just created a folk hero for British fans, particularly for Mancunian fans. He became to pro, you know came to prominence, and people knew he was a United Man United fan. Um, all of that club got behind him. There was there was a great groundswell of support for him and popularity. That even mm. though he was preparing for a world title fight, he was prepared to chase burglars through a house and a back garden and get clobbered with a piece of concrete that fractured his skull and he broke his ankle in the process. I mean, I was lucky enough um, after the draw with Darley's Perez when they were going to fight the second time, I caught his doctor, believe it or not, at ringside and I ended up getting her number and spoke to her and she said, I've never had a patient so determined to recover from a fractured skull and and, and a broken ankle, a fractured ankle, and to want to come back. And mm. you, 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 we have saw that then over the next four years, the victory against Darlis Perez in the rematch. Listen, he won the first fight. I mean, I, mean, I yep. remember reporting on it that night. I don't think I called it a robbery, but it seemed very unfair that Perez got the draw. And of mm. course, um, he put the... the he put the matter to bed in in the second fight with a brilliant performance. I'm pretty sure it was a body shot in the fifth round, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that finished Darlis Perez and um, the Barroso fight. Was, I think was even better. The performance and in the even Barroso fight was even better. He, and then and it was even better. And that was his. That was very much Anthony's purple patch yeah. and him showing just what he'd learnt in those first 35 fights, if you like. He was an experienced campaigner. He did believe in himself. He did. He had wonders under Joe Gallagher in a team that included Callum Smith and others. And, you know, he was in with the Smith brothers. And he, he was just... He became formidable. In many ways, he grew up. Um, he's a very modest man, Anthony. Um, he, he's, he's one of the most likeable boxers I'm sure you have and I have ever spent time with. I'm always... Don't know why I always go on about this but I want him to open a, a series of franchise <laughs> coffee bars. He's, I, he's mad on coffee isn't he? He's, he's mad, mad on, on coffee and I can just see the crawler coffee bar taking off like you know I, I don't know I, I can just he's a bit <laughs> mafioso looking isn't he? He's got that he's got that Sicilian look about him because um, of course crawler is an Italian name I believe I think it is um, but he's got that Mediterranean air about him he's such a nice fella um, I mean I was devastated for him when he fought um, Vasil Loma Lomachenko earlier in yeah. the year um, because Lomachenko is such a difficult guy to fight and, and of in, course you know, but for him but for Anthony now right as, when, when, he, when he hangs this up and in years to come and he's got his grandchildren sat on his lap 
for him to be able to say, listen, do you remember, have you heard people speak about Vasyl Lomachenko? 100% they will have heard of that mm. name if they're mm. into boxing in any way, shape or form. He can then say, I got in the ring with that guy. For, from where he was, as I keep referring back to that Bolton Arena night with Yusuf Al-Hamidi, from that particular night to work, to go in to, to the Staples Centre in Los Angeles and fighting the very best of my generation right now, I think that's testament to him of of the journey that he's been on. No, definitely. And and you know, timing's everything in sports and I'm just so delighted for him that in the last what is it? Um one, two, three, four, five, six, nine nine fights mm. that he will have made his fortune. And, you know, he hit he, he didn't just um you know, fight Vasil Lomachenko. He fought. If we're talking about lineal champions, he is. He will tell his grandchildren, his great grandchildren, hopefully, that he fought the lineal pound for pound champion because that guy is going to go down in history, Vasil Lomachenko, as one of the greatest fighters of all time, in my view, the greatest boxers of all time. And you know, we haven't even mentioned here. The fight at lightweight with with three weight world champion Ricky Burns as well, yeah. where he oh, really won? rolled back the years. He rolled back the years in yeah. October two thousand and seventeen. Um, no, Anthony Anthony Crawler is a triumph for British boxing. Any young boxer that that wants to, you know, aspire to to to, to have longevity in the sport and to get the most out of himself physically, mentally, emotionally, just look at Anthony Crawler. Look no further, for my view. And on the night, November the 2nd, I know there's a world title fight on there and there'll be people screaming, well, hang on a minute, we've got a, a young lady in Katie Taylor stepping up in weight to become a two-weight world champion. That's history in itself. You've got to leave Crawler last on, haven't you? He's yeah. got to be the last out. Yeah, yeah, my, 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 only, my only wish, and I don't think it will happen, I don't know whether they're talking about it behind the scenes, I'd like him to not have an easy out. I'd like him to fight Luke Campbell. Um <sighs> I know. What are you trying to I, do? You, I, what are you I, trying to do? I, well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to have a very, very competitive fight um, yeah. with him going out against. He's got the chance to prove that he went out as the number one. I mean, Luke Campbell this week, or I spoke to Luke last week. Actually, I'm just penning a piece for Ring Magazine on that fight with with that brilliant fight with Luke Campbell and Vasil Lomachenko that we mm. both delighted in a few weeks ago at the yeah. O2 Arena. Um, I, you know, Luke believes that outside Vasil Lomachenko, he is the number one 135-pound uh, fighter in the world. And, and you know, I'm not going to dispute that. And I think Anthony is game for that fight. And I think he should... I, I'd like to see him in against Luke Campbell. Why shouldn't we? You know, Luke, um, Luke's at world uh, title level. Um, Crawler's at world title level. Why, why? I mean, why are you saying, you know, um, why? Because because it's a great <laughs> for me, fight. For me, for me... Yeah, listen, you're 100% right. It is a great fight. And Anthony will give us everything that he's got. Luke will give us everything they've got. And the fans will go home with a massive smile on the face. For me, I just want a night for Anthony and the fans. That's all I want. For him to just be able to hold his hands up at the end of it. Everybody give him a massive round of applause. This is a send-off. This is not leading to anything, hopefully. Hopefully, Anthony does cut it off at this particular time. We've seen so many fighters come back, haven't we, when they said that they've retired. Hopefully, he goes, lads, I've had my fill. I've made my fortune. I've achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. Thank you very much for coming out. Puts his gloves in the middle of the ring and clears off and then goes off into the sunset, maybe sets up a coffee shop, as you've said, or goes into a world of working with us at TalkSport. Whatever, man. I mean, he can, he can do whatever because he's not just got the most out of himself in the world of boxing and get, uh, uh, with that fantastic work ethic that he's got. You meet him and you fall in love with him straight away. He's a fantastic guy and he could turn his hand to anything, no question. Well, you know, look, um, 
you and I are not in the business of gimmies. He doesn't deserve <laughs> gimmies at this. Look, we, we know what Eddie Hearn will do. They'll sell out loads of tickets on the night because it's a goodbye, you know, um, to, um, you know, at Valete to, to Anthony Crawler after a long and decorated career. They don't want him to get beaten up on the night or humiliated or embarrassed. So, you know, they don't want to risk, you know, a horrendous fight for him to finish with. But, you know... He said it himself in that interview with Don McGuinness that I don't really want to go out against, you know, a German. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, he wants a proper fight. So, he wants so, a proper so fight. what's wrong with the Luke? That fight would sell. We know that tickets will sell. Um, and, and obviously, you know, Katie Taylor's not going to sell out the MEN arena. Um, but I would like, that's, that would have been my ideal fight for him to go out against Luke Campbell. Because, it, you know, it's just, it's a very well-matched fight and one that he could really get the vim and vigour back in himself for one last time. But I did feel, I got the sense in that interview with Dom that, you know, when you when when a fighter's saying it's their last yes. fight and they're eyeing, yes. you know, the I slippers agree. and the pipe, that's a dangerous. very dangerous, exactly. It's a very dangerous place to be in. We're not having a game of football. It's not a charity football game or a charity 2020 cricket game. It's you know, someone trying to knock your head off because, you know, they want you as a scalp and Luke Campbell would want him as a scalp. So who knows who it'll be? Um, I just hope we get the announcement soon. We're going to talk about uh, November the 2nd as, as a fight night in general a little bit later on because not only have we got this in Manchester, Crawler's last dance and uh, Katie Taylor attempts to become a two-weight world champion. We've also got Kovlev versus Canelo for the light heavyweight championship of the world. We've got a fantastic UFC 244 going down at Madison Square Garden. And I'll tell you something, fight fans are in for a treat that night, aren't they? Basically, if you're not going to be at any of the arenas, sit in your armchair at home and just basically just watch TV for about 12 hours and you'll see some of the best fights on the planet. Absolutely. Um, you know, where do you choose to be that night? I mean, co- co- <laughs> well, I mean, what do you do? Salt what do you do that well, night? It's I mean, hard. I mean, you know, I I will probably be in Manchester, I think. But you know, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about Saul Canelo Alvarez against um, Sergei that's, Kovalev. That's, um, a, that's a historical night, guys. It's a it's ma- massively historical night, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I loved the press conference with the two fellas this week as well. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, it's a big Vegas night. Kovalev, of course taking it without hesitation um you know Canelo's going to be very strong he's not going to have to weight drain at all um he's in the prime of his life we saw what happened with the body shots from Anthony Yard against Sergei Kovalev I remember you down on your knees here in the green room watching it with me before we went on like literally (laughs) screaming um but yeah but the um you know I think it's a great fight I, I I really do think it's a great fight Kovalev is very close to the end it's probably his last fight um, Kovalev will probably be the favourite in that fight. I mean, I know some bookmakers have Canelo as the favourite. I have Canelo as the favourite in yeah, that fight. I, I just think, you know, he's 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 not a small middleweight. He's not a small no. super middleweight. He's very powerful. So can't wait for that. But I, I will probably go and honour Katie and uh, and Anthony and, and Eddie Hearn's matchroom outfit that night. Absolutely. Um, do stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I've just had a message from Jordan Gill. He's back from Italy after a fantastic performance midweek, and he's going to talk about it in a moment or two. Don't go anywhere. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Guess who's back? Uh, this is TalkSport. You listen to Fight Night. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Time to get our first uh, guest on the line. Uh, Jordan Gill, who is uh, straight back from Florence, fighting in Tuscany Hall uh, early this week. Thursday night was uh, the night. And I'd say something, he was that quick, they didn't even have him on TV. He had the guy out of there, quick smartish. Back in the wing column, great to have you on, Jordan. How are you, mate? You good? I'm all right, mate. I'm full of pizza and uh, happy as Larry. 
Look at you. You've been out to Florence and now you're a culture vulture. You've got the old pizza on there. Full Italian cuisine for a Saturday night, eh? That's it. Pizza, pasta, we have it all. Now, listen, the, um, <laughs> at the, at, at the, on Thursday night, for those that, that missed this, obviously Sam Higginson was out there and performing extremely well and a couple of other guys as well. You were on there and I only, legitimately, I only turned it on on Thursday night to watch you perform, but you, you were that quick, mate. You missed the TV broadcast. Well, do you know what? I think um, a lot of people have tweeted me and, and messaged me saying they only wanted to tune in and watch me and, and they were gutted that I weren't on. But, you know, I'll uh, be in a big fight in November, hopefully, or December, and they can tune in and watch me then. But we had a good night, um, good good win, and um, I think the other Brits had good wins too. So um, it was smiles all round, and uh, Italian boxing took a hit that night. <laughs> it most certainly did. Jordan, um, you know, Florence being the city, Firenze as it is, of course. Um, <laughs> that you, Here um, he goes. I, I, Here well, he goes. Well, the you, culture of the shot. Well, well, you know, you got the job done quickly. I mean, I don't know if you know this, by the way. You were in kind of home territory because Julius Caesar in 59 um, AD or I can't remember BC or AD um, created Firenze as a city for his veteran soldiers who'd been serving wow. all over the Roman Empire. Did you know that? Well, you learn something new every day. I didn't know that. And, well, d- and did you then, having got the job done quickly, did you visit visit the Palazzo Pitti, um, get, get, a, get a sunset view of the city from the Fountain of Neptune in the Piazza della Signora, Signoria, or not? I didn't, but I wish I did because you've you've painted a picture in my head Mate. and it sounds magnificent. You sell it, Gareth. And you sell you, it. All you, you, all, all you did. Was are you, you, are you, you working for the tourist board? What no, are you doing no, here? No, Go no, on. Listen, ah, oh, Florence. Are you been to? Have you not been to Florence, Adam? Never no. been. Oh, you've got to take. I, I've seen your tweets about. Yes. Yeah, I, I loved the tweet the other day where you, one, you, one of your friends who you'd been chatting to in the supermarket went back. Yes. You in inadvertently grasped, told, grasped you about you're going to be in New York see Darren Till fight. Yes. So your wife found out from him. Yeah. So you got you in trouble. Listen. Take her to Firenze for a long weekend. Leave the kids with the grandparents, and you will be in love again. You will be the lovers of the north, the pair of you. Just make, um, make sure you don't say it at the gaff that we stayed at. I really. It, it was no good. We so stayed you, at an, in an industrial estate about thirty minutes away. No, from no, well, listen, you, Coldwell, yeah, needs to up his game. That's uh, it. You need yeah. to get a better booking. Matchroom Italy should all be all about not just pizza. Pa- pasta and industrial estates it should be about the billowing <laughs> shirts the beautiful music the operetta all of the beautiful sights of rome and um la ragazze claramente la ragazze stop it man you're going to be turning quite a lot of our uh, audience on this evening well, you're that's what we're here to do what are you, what are you doing man <laughs> <laughs> jordan Listen. when you go back to italy next time you must savor the delights of italia oh. Well, um, what I'm going to do, because you've uh, proven yourself as a, a good uh, tourist, I, I'm going to take you with me. You can take yeah. me around and take, show me all the sites and uh, tell me all the best spots. Indeed, that will happen. George, listen, um, obviously the victory midweek against Talavera, it was expected. It was one of those to get you back in the wing column. Uh, a nice little yeah. under the radar thing. And then obviously, as you've just said there, moving on in November, December for the British fans and obviously getting yourself back on track. What are the what are the learns that you take out of the defeat uh, to Enrique Tinoco that uh, obviously we were broadcasting on TalkSport a little earlier on in the year? Well, I think the main thing is make sure that you go in the ring 100%. And um, because, you know, at, at that level, you can't take any chances. And, um, you know, it was a big lesson learned. Um, at the same time, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I could do in certain situations and, 
and how to keep my cool and and choose the right moments to go and, and when not to go because you know as bad as I felt in that ring that night which you know was the worst I've ever felt in a boxing ring and the most vulnerable I've ever been um, at, at the same time I still could have won that fight if I made the right decisions but because the way I felt I didn't make the right decisions and you know I learned a lot from that fight and I'll take it into into the next championship fight that I'm contesting. For those that don't know, Jordan were feeling a little under the weather fight week, didn't tell anybody and still went ahead and fought. But like I said, like you just said there, it is, it's a, a learning experience. Is Tonoko a, a fight that you want to get back? Is that an opponent yeah, that you're I'm, looking at? I'm, I'm desperate to, to make that rematch. So um, Dave stays on to it. Hopefully it can happen either this year or, or early next year. Um, the, the the key, Jordan, as as we've spoken about before, is even though there's a haste in you to want to put the record straight, if you like, um, you know, it's not, for someone like yourself who is incredibly ambitious, you're still only 25 years of age, just to remind our listeners that, that, that you know, you suffered the first defeat of your career in May against Enrique Tinoco, um, you know, the... the you and I have spoken before, and I'm sure Adam has with you, where the key with you is not rushing anything, you know? Yeah. You're still so young in your career. We know how much ability you've got. We know how you, you're you trying to master your trade. And, and I suppose one of the hardest things is being patient and knowing that you've got to do the, 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 the hours in the office, if you like, in the ring, in the gym. We were talking about Anthony Crawler just now before you came on, and look what he achieved. It, it took him till his 35th fight before he really got going at world level. Um, and, and look what he's achieved at that level, and look at the several million pounds he's earned. Very few boxers get to earn 3%, they say, retire with enough money to not ever work again. And that must be your objective, I imagine, as well as the, the glory and the great legacy you want to leave from your career. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think you, you made a very good point. It's, it's, a, it's a long-term goal for me to... Uh, to become world champion and and um, obviously retire healthy and with plenty of money in the bank, but you know emphasis on the long term. I'm putting the rounds in the bank in the gym, and it's frustrating for me because I know what level I'm competing at in the gym. I'm sparring world champions, to fight people that are at world level, and um, I'm doing more than well. I'm doing very very well, and. Um, you know, I want to compete at that level now, but you know, it's it's making sure that you do the rounds in the bank, put rounds in the gym, uh, get the get the right learning fights, and and make the right steps in your career. So you know, we're we're working hard, and uh, I'm I'm very keen. Dave's trying to slow me down a bit, and um, but you know, show, slowly but surely we'll get there, and, and hopefully by the end of next year, um, I'll have proven myself. Uh, ready to fight for a world title. Look, I'm, I'm, you're, you're ranked fifth in Britain by in the UK by BoxRec. Above you at the moment, you're five. Above you is Isaac Lowe, Kid Galahad, Carl Frampton and Josh Warrington. Now, that ain't a bad list to have above you. Um, you know, um, those are fights that you could have easily in the next two, two, two and a half years. You could have yeah, fought definitely. all of those guys by then, but it's about the timing now, isn't it? That's right. I think a lot, a lot of um, boxing is timing, getting the right fights at the right time. And you know, like you said, I'm only 25. I am still developing. I'm still getting my man strength, and I'm still learning every week in the gym. I'm, and and these fights that I'm having, I'm taking something from every single fight and every every style that I'm fighting. 
I'm learning it and getting getting experience over the rounds, and I think that's very important. So, you know, no one's seen the best of me yet, and uh, over the next four or five years, I'm sure everyone everyone will. And you know, the the fights are going to be entertaining also. Viva la lutta e l'amore in Italia. <laughs> Bellissimo. Bellissimo. That's it. That's certo. It. So you say in November, Jordan, is that right? When the fight fans can see you out again? Yep, November or December. I'm waiting okay. on a confirmation for a date. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back out in a big cool. fight and uh, prove myself at a championship level. In the meantime, go and enjoy some pizza, mate. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> right. joining us on the show. <laughs> Good Take night, care, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Super stuff. Great Cheers. to see him back in the wing column earlier on this week in, uh, in Florence. And always good to get a little bit of culture from Gareth as well. Do stick with us because we've got a studio guest coming up in a moment or two. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Every single Saturday night, you're home for boxing. I'm Adam Castro, Gareth Davis alongside me. Lots to talk about in the world of boxing. If you've only just joined us, by the way, this show is available as a podcast. You missed Anthony Crawler earlier on. Jordan Gill's been on the show. We spoke about Tyson Fury and last week and that horrendous cut. Uh, and if you want to catch up on those conversations, you can do because the podcast will be available at the end of the show uh, via the TalkSport website or via iTunes. Now... Uh, let's get stuck in, shall we, to uh, our studio, I guess. And I'm fascinated to speak to this young man, Gareth, because anybody that listens to our show on a regular basis knows that I have a fascination with young fighters that take risks, that up sticks, that leave our shores to then go and apply maybe a little bit of an education elsewhere. Darren Tillin, mixed martial arts, is one that I always refer to. He was doing his thing in Liverpool. He up sticks and went and lived in Brazil for a long period of time to learn his craft. This young man, I'd say something, you can't get a better education than fighting in the gyms of Mexico, can you? Let me tell you. Uh, Alex Dilmagani is on the show right now. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you uh, for having me on there. The, great, the well, first thing I've got to say, though, Adam, is you look at Alex. I know he's of Iranian distraction, uh, extraction, first of all, because we're going to talk about that. But he could have walked down Mexico City, down any street, <laughs> down down any cobbled street or dusty street, and they'd have gone, ah, one of the otros, one yeah. of the de nosotros, rather. <laughs> he's one of us. Because you have that look. No, definitely. You have that Mexican look definitely. about they're, you. They actually... Um they were expecting some blonde, blue yeah, eyes yeah, guy yeah. when an English guy was coming. <laughs> they were like, damn, he looks more Mexican than us. So, yeah. yeah. Alex, talk to, me about, talk to me about the decision as a young 20-year-old fighter, right? You, you, you're, you're making your way in like fighting in the York Hall and various things like that. And then you, you up sticks and away you go and you start fighting out of Mexico. I know you fought out of Canada for quite a long period of time as well, yeah. but fighting out of those gyms in Mexico, training with the likes of the Marqueses of this world, Talk to me about that education, mate, because for me, that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, I was doing um, a degree at the time, um, doing a law degree. So I was playing at boxing. But, you know, I, I went out there initially on like a holiday. I've got great friends out there who have like a second family to me. Um, but it was only after I finished my degree, I decided to properly take boxing seriously and to like properly move out there. And when I went out there, I just you know, engrossed myself in, in the boxing culture there because there's a gym on every corner there mm. and the the training, the sparring there is like a fight, you know, and you're, you're sparring in front of, as you said, you know, Nacho Burstein. It's like nerve-wracking right there because, you you know, you don't want to mess up because he's very critical as well. You, you you miss a punch, he's like, oh, you you imbecile, 
do it again, you know, he's a perfectionist. I know Nacho as well, and obviously Nacho's about 80 now. He'd have been probably 74, 75 when yeah. you were working with him. The funny thing about Nacho is, j just for our listeners, they may not know who Nacho is, but he, he has worked with three-time, four-time, five-time champions of the world, and notably Juan Manuel Marquez, Oscar mm. de la Hoya, um, Alfred Angulo, Gonzalez, so many great... Um, so many great fighters and he is brilliant at bringing the best out in you and bringing out the game plan, plan. he might call you an imbecile at times but he, he is, call me an imbecile just yeah but, but he's very people, he but can yeah. be very harsh <laughs> but he's but he's also he's an incredibly kind person he's like a father to so many fighters and you know what what i admire in what you've done is alex is is you I mean, for a start, you shouldn't be studying law and being a boxer because if you're that clever, you shouldn't be boxing <laughs> for a start. Um, as, as Colin Hart, my you mentor, haven't seen me fight. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the, the, you know, I think um, Marco Antonio Barrera, by the way, studied yeah, law he did, as yeah. well. Um, and Marquez was an accountant. And, and Marquez was an accountant, so it, it's a Mexican thing. It's a Mexican slash Iranian thing, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. But, <laughs> but it's a fascinating way to um, complete your university education for me in boxing. You know, I love it when I hear that boxers go over and study those styles because, like you say, they're taking your head off in that gym. They don't care who you are. That, that's exactly what it was. Um, when I went there, it was like a university. It was I was going to a school rather than a gym. You know, I was learning my trade properly, learning the fundamental principles of the of the techniques of of the attitude as well. Because don't don't forget, I was uh, in a gym where there's world champions, but there's hungry guys that want to become a world champion and all compete against each other. And Nacho's time is limited, so we're all spying heavy to try and impress. And it just, like, uh, there's, a, there's a very uh, popular term used, uh, iron sharpens iron. So mm. when it's always, like, hungry, hungry, iron, you know, fighters that, that want to impress and want to improve, you're always going to, you know, compete against each other and you're going to improve. Alex, did it change your style? going out there and obviously working with those types of fighters yeah definitely um i don't know uh if gav has been out there in mexico um to see a fight there but the the fight fans they don't they don't appreciate the standoff boxing style like mm. the first time when i went there to a live event you know that the 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 the, the the fights would would be toe to toe, and if one guy took a breather, the the crowd would start <laughs> start booing. You know, yeah. so like instantly I thought, okay, why well, I'm a, I'm a foreigner, I'm gonna be fighting out here. Um, I'm gonna bring it. You know, I'm I'm gonna come forward and I'm gonna adopt the Mexican style. And also, you know, I, I began, you know, to to see the um, you know, putting my shoulders, my hips into the punch. And Nacho was showing a, a lot of the techniques, and also Nacho has a very um unique style. Uh, to all of his guys, they fight kind of differently to most Mexican fighters. Um, he has mm. the lead hand up, the the backhand slightly lower, but he he's very big on combinations, feints, and yeah, he just he taught me a bunch of things. I, I love it, really. You went from um, your your what is it, sixth or seventh fight, um, York Hall, Bethnal Green, Guildhall, Southampton, Civic Centre, Trowbridge, to suddenly the Convention Centre, Sorman Via de las Flores. And uh, might may, may I tell you, I tell you what, that that um that had the best wearing in the business. Palm trees in the background, Corona goes, <laughs> unbelievable. I tell you, that's it. You've hit the yeah. big time, mate. When that's happening, like yeah. That's <laughs> like but then you, but then you have four, or five fights in Mexico. Then you go to 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 Canada. Canada. Yeah. Then you mm -hmm. go back to Mexico to Javinda. 
um, back to Toronto, and then you come back to Powerade Centre, Brampton. Yeah, and and so um, you've come back now, and you're you're plying your career here. Mm-hmm. Why why the move back here, not staying out there? Well, um, England is is the number one place for boxing. Like that in America, you know, all the money is here, all the all the TV coverage, everything is here. Also, you know, I've teamed up with Mick Hennessy. And yeah. you know he's a, he's a great guy, and we're just doing great things, you know. Channel Five next Saturday night, you're fighting. Yeah. Uh, he's Francis fighting in my neck of the woods, mate. He's yeah, coming to my neck of the woods. He's he's up north, pal. That's what it is. This is where all the proper fights happen. I, t- I tell you what, you know, I've got a lot of friends up in Manchester, and uh, I tell you what, there's a lot of educated fight fans up there, and it's uh, always a pleasure going up there. And also, there's a lot of nice food places up there as well. So I'll definitely be sure <laughs> to check out that place in Northern Quarter and all of that. Good man. Listen, Al, as Gareth just alluded to there, this is on Channel 5, and we talk a a lot, me and Gareth, about the platforms of where fighters can obviously get their name out. And if you're going to be fighting on a platform like that, what we would old school refer to as terrestrial television with a potential audience in the millions, listen, man, this is a a wonderful opportunity for you to announce yourself to a lot of fight fans that might not necessarily know your name. I'll tell you what, it's it's the best platform in boxing. I mean, like you said, uh, the TV figures are unbelievable. No, Um, they are. No, yeah. Absolutely. On the night before, I'm doing Bellator in Dublin. By the way, working yeah. the broadcast. Um, Bellator. So set it MMA. up for him. That set it up for well, we will be. We, we will be warming up. <laughs> but, but, but that Friday night prime time and Saturday night prime time, um, Channel Five doesn't do less than six, seven hundred thousand viewers. Yeah. So yeah. you get, you might get a million viewers. And and I'm sure the Bolton Whites Hotel, the formerly the Vere Whites. I'm sure That's you know right. it well, Adam. I do, um, mate. Yeah. I just hope that in the in the ballroom there, that your head is not going to be touching the ceiling in the in the ring. That's all. I hope it's a grand ballroom with a few thousand people in. I'm sure it will be. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a great card too, you know, from from top to bottom. So, hmm. yeah. What can you tell us about uh, Francisco Fonseca, the guy that you're obviously competing against uh, for this WBA International Super Featherweight well, Title? I'm going to tell you, he's going to get beat, um, <laughs> and he's a come forward, uh, you know, experienced world class operator. And I'm a world class operator, and it's going to be a world class fight. Um, he's going to come to fight. I'm coming to fight, you know, and um, it's going to be entertaining fight so definitely tune in no the Nicaraguan he's fought twice the world title I, I love your backstory though that we were just talking about I was we were talking about Iran in the break and mm-hmm. I went to cover a, a football match between Iran and Australia back in 1998 um, at the Azadi Stadium with 144,000 people called to prayer at half time the Albors Mountains in the background you could hear the Tuareg campfires um, lighting Adam you could smell the, 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 the burning pots there it was incredible and the, and the, and the Kuba de Kebab we're on cultural food tonight from, yeah. from Italy to Iran I tell you what, the, there were armed guards all around the circular bowl of this giant stadium it was an incredible atmosphere and, and you were saying that that night you remember it very well when they were playing in Iran because dad was obviously Iranian, came to Britain yeah. and maybe you can tell the story that night Oh, what about the, but you um, watching the, the match game. and he yeah. wasn't well at the time and I, uh, you were eight years old un- 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 unfortunately um, you know my dad uh, died of cancer and um, I remember as Gareth was said you know um, he was in the Azadi Stadium uh, watching the football game and um, that was actually one of the uh, me- you know one memory I have of my father sitting down watching uh, watching Iran play that, that, that football game because it was a World Cup 98 mm. 
And yeah, Iran um, qualified with Ali Dai was the great striker. Yeah, Zizi, Zizi, yeah, yeah. there were some great they had a players. Group, to be fair, it was cheated out. Um, I think it was a deserved. I think penalty. they played the USA, didn't they? Did they play yeah, the and USA? they beat him. Yeah, so that's all that mattered. That's all that mattered. But 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 clearly, your father was some inspiration for you as well in, well, in doing what you do. Yeah, uh, no, he, he never like pushed boxing. I was very very young. Um, I wouldn't say he inspires me to, you know, to become a boxer or whatever, but he inspires me to lead a um a good life, you know, be an honorable man and um you know, obviously I want to, you know, make sure as everyone, you know, we've all lost loved ones, you know, hopefully he's mm-hmm. looking down proud of me and so, you know, it's just um yeah, I make make everyone proud, you know. My mum and my brother are very very important people to me. Um that's 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 you know, the only real family I have. So, you know, uh, yeah, we all have families. We all train and, and provide for them. You know, we want to do the best for them. I'm sure, I'm sure you are doing already, Alex. Listen, just before Thank I let you. you go, this is um, not a... Yeah, it is kind of a personal question because obviously you're competing at Super Feather, right? We've mm-hmm. just had Jordan Gill on. We've, uh, we've, Gareth just listed a couple of featherweights there that uh, are doing extremely well from our shows. Could you make Feather just to, I, just to spice I, it up a little bit? Maybe I, to chuck yourself into I, that I mix can, as well? I can Listen, I can make Featherweight... I can make super featherweight. I'm a listen. I just want to fight. I want the money. I want everything. And listen, Mick has offered this fight to plenty of people. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that's turned this fight down. Like from British champion to you uh, to European champion to Commonwealth champion. I mean, I, I can't really name the names, but Mick Hennessy, that's, that's his job to do it. But they've all been offered the fight, and they you know they don't want it, but. I can make featherweight, and maybe that's um, you know that's that's one an, an op- avenue, option yeah. to do. Yeah, because you know t- I'm put, I'll put myself over two weight divisions right now. I'm 130 or uh, two pounds, so I've only got two pounds to. to so you make it quite up. easy. I yeah, make yeah. it easy. Yeah, I, it's it's a lifestyle to me. You know, I I was um in the break talking to one of you guys out there, and he said how's training camp going. And I said I don't have no training camps. You know, my training camps all year round. After a fight, I take a couple of days off and um, mm-hmm. get back on it. The only thing I switch up is I spar five, six weeks before. Listen, I'm looking forward to this next week, mate. Make nice a big one. statement and then I will, all of a sudden. And he's a lefty as well, and I like that about Southport. you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a right handed Southpaw, so I'm dangerous so, both hands. Yeah. yeah. Bruce Lee was a converted Southpaw, oh, yeah, by well, the way. Yeah. So your jab conver- is very powerful. Hang on, a converted Iranian Mexican Southpaw. We've got yeah. an handful on our answer studio tonight, mate, let me tell you. It's all a very up. handsome one at that. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> they guys. always are. I'll give you the money for that later. Alex, we're looking forward to it. Good luck next weekend in Baltimore. Take care, pal. Alex Dilbagani. He's, uh, you can see him on TV next week. Channel 5 is the destination. Make sure you're tuning in uh, for his Super Featherweight contest as he competes for the WBA International Super Featherweight title against Francisco Fonseca in Bolton. Uh, stick with us. Lots to come on the show. You're going to hear from Eddie Hearn and Katie Taylor in the next hour. Feels great. Um, this is what I've always dreamed of since I did turn pro. This is always the ultimate goal. So to have all those five belts and to make history in sport, this is what it's all about. Really, this is why I sacrifice so much. Good shot from Katie Taylor. Gentilly hurt there. Now the right hand to the head. Good big right hand again from Taylor. The flurries go in. The crowd in Cardiff are urging her to finish this in the second round. To have it all here now, it's it's absolutely incredible. And I think that it's going to be finished now. Broken it is. Once, twice, now thrice a world champion, Katie Taylor. After 10 rounds of action here at Madison Square Garden in New York City, we go to the judges' scorecards. And now the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, 
It's a big night, November the 2nd in Manchester. We've already heard from Anthony Crawler. It's his last dance, but also on that night, Katie Taylor aims to become a two-weight world champion. Don McGuinness caught up with the undisputed lightweight champion, and she started by telling him how this will be her biggest challenge in the sport. I, I obviously know, but I, I'm, I'm aware of the challenge that, that Christina uh, brings to the table. She's a, she's a great champion, very, very strong, very aggressive, and... I think it's going to be an amazing fight and I just can't wait to, to showcase my skills again. I'm not sure she's the most aggressive member of her team though. Yeah, yeah I don't know, I, I, I stayed out of that one, that's for sure, I, I stayed quiet for that. But yeah, they're, they're obviously not happy about a few things, but that's, that's none of my business. I, I don't know anything about that, that side of things, I'm just there to fight on November the 2nd. Now it, it is a challenge, as you say, you're stepping up a, a different division, you've, you've done all you can do really in the lightweights. Now, What's the, the, the weight issue like for you? I mean, has it been tighter for you at lightweight? Uh, do, do you think you'd just be bigger, stronger? I mean, is there any issue with that? Or it's just the challenge of another belt at another weight? Yeah, I have no problem at all making the, the lightweight uh, division. It, this is just another challenge for me. But at the same time, I will be uh, hopping up and down the uh, lightweight and lightweight right over the next few months. There's, yeah. there's huge fights out there for me in the lightweight division still. Obviously, the most obvious one, the likes of uh, the pursuing rematches is going to happen and Amanda Serrano as well but those fights are going to happen in the next 12 months but first and foremost this is a new challenge it's a great challenge and my, my focus is purely on November the 2nd What's Christina what, what are her strengths do you feel? <laughs> well she's very aggressive she has a great engine she has a big right hand um, she's very strong and powerful um, it's going to make for a very exciting fight yeah. And it is Manchester now yeah. of course you had some of your early fights here yeah. as well yeah. uh, you're coming back here and, and to headline I mean, yeah. that is some achievement, really, when you think of how far you've come, how far yeah. women's boxing has come as well. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And um, when I first sat down with Eddie Hearn three years ago, I, I, I didn't think something like this was possible, really. And, and, and to be involved in so many big fights and, uh, and so many big fights that, that people are really, really interested in as well. This isn't just a big fight for boxing. It's a big fight, or it's, it's a big fight just for, you know, for boxing overall, not just for women's boxing. And... Um, and I'm, I'm definitely in a great position with, with so many big fights out there for me in the future. But the headline of the show with the likes of Anthony Crawley and Joshua Boazzi on, on the undercard and these amazing fighters, this is just so special for me. It says a lot about you that, that people really don't tend to refer to you as a woman's boxer anyway. You're just a boxer and that's yeah. the way I'm sure you've always wanted it. Yeah. And again, this just goes that step further to yeah. enforcing that view, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I've always wanted to change people's perceptions of the sport over these last few years. and. Um, I've definitely ha had uh, so many opportunities to, to, to perform in these big platforms uh, I know on Sky Sports and The Zone and, and these big stadiums and, and, and you know, big undercards so this is this is huge and I, I'm in this position because of the sport that, that I've gotten from these people as well so this is amazing and um, you know, people are really seeing the best of women's boxing for the first time in a long time. You say you're going to dip up and down. You're going to do. You're going to go where the challenges are. That's quite yeah. clear. Now, um, one name clearly pursuing. You've mentioned yeah. you want to. I suppose right, not a wrong because you won the fight. But it, the, you know, people said well, it was yeah. tied. It, you know, did yeah. pursue win. That's something that's obviously going to bother you. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fight that deserves a rematch. That's for sure. It was that close of a fight. It could have went either way, and I'm very glad the fight went, went my way. But. Um, that fight is just absolutely huge. It's a fight that everyone wants to see. It's a it's a blockbuster fight, really. Um, 
and uh, it was a toe-to-toe challenge and these are the fights I've always wanted to be involved in. I want to be involved in history-making fights and like I said, I don't duck or dive any challenge. I think my career so far has, um, has shown that, so I can't wait for that rematch and um, and also the, the Amanda Serrano fight yeah. as well is probably the biggest fight in boxing right now, so these are huge fights to be involved in. Well, you beat Cindy Serrano, as we know, of course, and, uh, and the trainer had plenty to say at yeah, that time, remember? That's right, yeah. uh, and again, you didn't get involved in any of that, but they, they had plenty yeah, to say. Yeah. Uh, did, I presume you watched the Serrano Hardy fight? Yeah, I only watched clips of it, actually. I actually didn't get the, the whole fight, but um, I, I, I kind of knew what way the fight was going to go, to be honest. but... Um, a shame it away with with Hardy wearing the Irish colours. I mean that could have been yeah, a, that could have been yeah. something on the East Coast, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, when I wear the Irish colours, it's going to be a different story. I hope um, you know it's going to be a great, great fight. And as I said, it's it's, it's the biggest fight in boxing right now, and um, and that fight has to happen. She she was obviously the better fighter in there, yeah, Serrano. For but sure, yeah. I mean, just looking at Serrano, looking at you, surely you'd be too strong for her. That's that's the, the impression I would take from that. I mean, you'd be super confident, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd be super confident that every time I step into the ring, I wouldn't step into the ring if I didn't think I was going to win, win, win these fights. And um, I, I train to win these fights. I, I have a, a brilliant team around me, a very, very clever team and a smart team and a very smart coach in Ross Enamite. And I feel like I, I'm working with one of the best coaches in the world. And um, I feel like he's actually a genius coach, really. And um, I... I, I uh, you know, with, with with that kind of coach and that kind of team around you, you're always going to be confident stepping into the ring. That's praise indeed. So, what happens now then? I mean, obviously the, the dates say you're already training, so you're back to the states. I mean, tell us what yeah. what the plan is now. Yeah, I actually just flew over this morning for this press conference, and I'm flying back tomorrow to start to start training camp again. So, um, so yeah, it's just uh, my head down really for net for these next few weeks. So I'm already in in a great position to think of my training camp. I, I feel sharp and fit and. Um, I just have to keep my head down, knuckle down, and, and um, just kind of sharpen up on a few things. You are making headlines in every sense, but you're headlining and making headlines. But I suppose the dream will still be one day to do that in Ireland as well, of course, yeah, because of course. splitting your time between mainly UK and America yeah. and everything else, it, one day, that's still the dream. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, to, to headline a big shot show in, in Ireland is, is the absolute dream, really. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, but it's definitely uh, something that on my radar, and I, I hope it can happen quite soon. Um, but right now, uh, I, I'm obviously honoured and I'm privileged to be headlining the big show in Manchester, and uh, what an opportunity this is for me. And again, if, if, you know, if you're on last. That's some statement for you as well, because it, it's it's Crawler's house. That's what he says. I know. It's yeah. his house. But I feel a bit bad, actually. <laughs> I feel a bit uh, no, you embarrassed. Can't worry about these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel kind of a bit, a bit embarrassed that I'm headlining a, a show in Anthony Crawler's hometown and Annie's farewell fight as well. I think he should really headline the show, really. But I, as I said, I am really, really uh, privileged to be in this position. And Look at the trousers he's wearing. I don't think he's bothered about anything. <laughs> yeah, he really isn't. He definitely has the, the fashion anyway. I, could, I couldn't pull that off. <laughs> well, listen, enjoy yeah. the occasion. I hope training yeah. goes great, and we'll see you back in yeah, Manchester very soon. Thank, thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. The undisputed lightweight champion Katie Taylor there who aims to become a two-weight world champion catching up with Don McGuinness uh, a little earlier on this week. She fights on November the 2nd in Manchester. Myself and Gareth are going to talk about that in a moment or two and you're going to hear from Eddie Hearn who's putting that show on. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's go! This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cantor, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. We're going to hear from Eddie Hearn in a moment or two. Uh, but first of all, let's just pick up on that conversation that Don McGuinness had with uh, Katie Taylor as she aims to become a two-weight world champion on November the 2nd. Obviously in great spirits there, having mopped out the uh, lightweight division. And I think it's important that we, we stress this, Gareth, because there's a lot of elite-level amateurs that clean out the amateur game, that have immense success, whether it be at Olympics or uh, the World Amateur Championships, of which we'll speak about a little bit later on because they're currently going on at this moment in time. Uh, Katie did all that, and then to be able to transcend into the professional game and do exactly the same thing, I think we need to highlight that a little bit more because it's a very rare thing, whether it's in the men's game or the women's game. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, Look, the funny thing is, I remember speaking to Katie in New York before she got the decision against Delphine Delphine Pearson on the night when Anthony Joshua lost to Andy Ruiz. I still think she was fortunate to get the decision that night. I had Pearson winning by at least a round. Um, I think Katie's probably looked at the the tape afterwards or, or, the, or the, the replay and just had a look at it and wondered, you know, that it must have been close. She spoke very uh, openly about really wanting the rematch to put the record straight. But let's not forget that she said that week that she didn't really want to move up and down the weights too much. And that's changed since June. And that is something different. Um, and, is and, that and, because of the, uh, the the level of opp- opposition and the yeah, opponents that yeah, I, uh, are in her weight category? Yeah, I think I th- we, me and you, have had that discussion, haven't we, that we would like her to go up and challenge herself. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I mentioned her fighting Claressa Shields at middleweight, yeah. and I think that is way too far. As she said, you know, Marvin Hagler stayed where he was. That was her answer that night or that afternoon at the but drinks But Cecilia party, Brackhouse, you know. for example, Cecilia Brackhouse, who's the welterweight, champ, I know that she's in and out of retirement and various things like that, who mopped up the welterweight division, she could maybe come down one weight category, yeah, Katie's now gone up one, yeah. and they could, meet, they could yeah. meet there in the middle? They could think? meet in the middle, I think that is one great fight for her, I think um, I think Holly Holm is a great fight for her as a boxer, I think mm. there's a lot of kind of names that they could do it with, I mean, 
let's not forget that Christina uh, Linada Tu, who the Nicaraguan, I think she's Nicaraguan, isn't she? Who she's fighting Greek, um, Greeks. Sorry, um, she, who she's fighting in 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 on the November, on the, yeah, in, on the crawler card, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and the Anthony crawler card is, you know has only lost to one person, Delphine Pearson. So it's good matchmaking in many ways because it, it leads to that fight again. But as, as, one, of our, um, as one of our listeners has asked tonight, uh, Ms. Cody uh, from Ireland, who follows us avidly, um, yep. you know, what about the Amanda Serrano fight next? Well, I'd like to see that fight because let's not forget that this is a big fight, and they call Serrano the real deal. She's beaten her sister, Cindy, uh, already, uh, has Katie, but the real deal in the family is Amanda Serrano. Um, the only woman to have won, I think it's nine major world titles in seven different weight classes. Now, that's the proportions of Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather right there. And I would, you know, that's from super flyweight all the way up to light welterweight. Um, she was as a she was active recently. She beat uh, uh, Heather Hardy, who's a name everybody knows, who's crossed yep. from mixed martial arts into boxing as well, and vice versa. Very interesting, fascinating woman from Brooklyn, New York, Heather Hardy. Um, that that fight was it was earlier this month. Though. It was uh, a couple of weeks two ago. Two weeks actually. ago. Yeah, two yeah. weeks ago. Um, you know, I think those are the fights that we want for Katie. Um, not necessarily the Delphine Pearson fight straight away. Amanda Serrano for me is is the big one. And you mentioned, of course, Cecilia Brakus as well. Mm. But Katie is going to have to go up and down the weights a little bit. I don't think she'll go all the way to welterweight myself. I think she'll go light welterweight as she is with this one. I think that'll probably be the limit. Mm. Uh, well, next up for her is November the 2nd. It is Christina Linada too. Uh, and it was an interesting press conference this week. It seems, yeah. it seems to become a little bit of a trend where people are having a go at Eddie Hearn to try and get a few more quid. Uh, and I caught up with the promoter, Eddie Hearn, at the uh, Crawler-Taylor <laughs> uh, presser earlier this week. And we began by talking about his spat with Katie's opponent, Christina Lidatu's manager. Right, Mr. Eddie Hearn, is it becoming a thing now uh, for people to, uh, instead of negotiate behind closed doors? It was... Um she got picked up from the airport and the, the driver said, oh, they don't like you. I'm like, oh, what have I done? I just said to the manager there, the reason we can't give a rematch calls is she's got plans. She's got to fight Serrano. She's got to fight Delphine Pessoon in a rematch that will be ordered. So we can't be giving rematch clauses to people. We said, well, you've got one. Said, well, why do you think? Because Kate is the biggest star in the sport and this girl is getting an amazing opportunity to earn fortunes. So, like I said, he just said to me there, he goes, oh, I was just trying to spice it up a bit. I said, what is it with people trying to spice up press conferences and have a go at me? I'm such a good guy. It makes it good for us, though, know, when yeah, we see true. stuff like that, yeah, you know what true. I mean? I'm, I'm not down it's set president, though, yeah, so yeah, be on your guard in future. Yeah, I know, I will be. It's only a matter of time before I get laid out one of these things. <laughs> was it an easy decision for Katie to be stepping up in weight rather than stay there and maybe defend? I think it's now all about challenges for Katie Taylor. So, what fight give her the challenge okay so there's when you look at it there's a Delphine Pissoon rematch which is inevitable there's the Amanda Serrano fight and there's a possibility to become an undisputed champion um, at uh, 140 pounds McCaskill's got two belts the other one's vacant and this is the other one so if McCaskill wins on, in October and Katie wins they could rematch for the undisputed to be a two-way undisputed world champion would be incredible and these are the kind of challenges that she wants that's why we can't 
give her rematch scores because that doesn't if Katie beat her she's not want to fire again you know so um, she's just all about challenges I've never met anyone who's just consistently wants to push herself challenge herself and just do groundbreaking things and this is another example of that have you with that in mind then have you because we've been speaking about this regarding the depth of talent what is available for her have we had a word with the welterweight champ of maybe bringing her down to 140 is that a possibility to yes, meet in the middle somewhere Celia Brackhouse I mean the problem for Katie is when she started I thought she was going to win world titles at Super Feather it was just too much of a struggle so she's kind of like a small lightweight that's become a solid lightweight now she's moving to 140 she's 140 now right so there's no reason to and you see Lennard too I mean looks extremely strong and that will be her biggest challenge in this fight I think skill wise I don't think anyone's going to compete with Katie Taylor how you challenge yourself when you've got too much skill is move up in weight and become outsized like Lomachenko you know he's a featherweight moves to super featherweight moves to lightweight and that's what Katie's doing now so the risk in this fight is she'll get bulldozed by a very heavy strong girl she's probably going to be 148 in the ring Katie's going to be 140 so it's a lot of weight and uh, she's got to use her skill that's why I ask about Brackhouse coming down, because I think 147 might be too much. It would, for, for it would be. And even 14, you know, 143, 144, like she, she, couldn't, you know, she couldn't put potatoes in her socks and, and get up to those weights on the scales. So she's got to, but that's part of the challenge, isn't it? How much can you push yourself? It's like Lomachenko. Can you go at 140? No, no, it's just too much. So, you know, um, this is all that matters at the moment and a chance to make more history for Katie Taylor by becoming a two-weight world champion. We are going to speak crawler, of course, but I just want to quickly talk about Boazzi. Obviously, we know he's vacated his British title. Was that a difficult decision as well, or has he surprised you with the development that he has had that you needed to speed him along to that world level now? I think the hardest thing about vacating any belt is a fighter sort of says, well, why? You know, like, I'll go to a fighter and say, listen, your mandatory is Craig Richards. You're fighting in a world title eliminator. I think we're ready to move now. And he sort of says, and the great ones say, what, whatever you think, Ed. You know what I mean? Like, no, not, not, I don't mean that in a way like, yes, Eddie. But like, I'm ready for the I'm challenge. Doing. Yeah, but I know what I'm doing. And this is a natural step. Let someone else fight for it. He's done it. Coley's done that as well, actually, for the, for the British Cruiserweight title. So I think Joshua Boazzi is every, you know, when you talk to anybody in the sport, they all say the same thing about Joshua Boazzi. Have you ever heard one person say Joshua Boazzi not the real deal? So now we're in a position where we get to really see it against Caparello before you go to challenge for the world title. Because, you know, when we talk about the yard Kovalev fight, these Caparello fights, Sullivan Barreras, they're the guys that, they're kind of like the gatekeepers to show you if you're ready to open the gate. And that's what a Caparello do, fight will do. If JB's not ready and he's not 100%, he will struggle against Caparello. You know, and if he is as good as we think he is, he may look brilliant. And then we start saying, okay, maybe one or two more and we'll take the risk in the challenge. But when we do, you'll be ready. I know you can't be biased because you've got fighters in other weight categories, but is light heavyweight on a British and a world level probably the most competitive and most interesting? Yeah, I see, probably the toughest. I mean, when you look at the world champions, I mean, it's only now that Kovalev, or the last couple of fights, where Kovalev started to look old. But then you've got Godzix, you've got Bivol, and you've got Betabiev. I mean, they're three of the best fighters in the world, and they're unifying against each other. So it's going to be really interesting. And, um, you know... JB has got to be ready for those challenges because they're going to be very, very difficult. And, um, you know, the WBO is going to be interesting because that should become vacant at some point because Canelo's going to win it. Is he going to defend it? Probably not. So you also want to position yourself with them as well. Um, I mean, I'd like to do yard against Boazzi for the vacant WBO world title. That would be some fight. 
That'd be all right, wouldn't it? We're twinkling your eye. I like that one. Um, obviously, Mr. Crawler. Then you did kind of allude to then when you were chatting that you were thinking of maybe leaving him till last. I know Katie's got obviously a big world title fight, but it is Manchester. He's got to be on last, hasn't he? I had this plan to just pretend to forget about him in the presser, and he comes up to me, and goes, "You did forget about me, didn't you?" I went, "No, I swear, I've been thinking about that on the train." Um, it's tough because unquestionably Katie Taylor is headlining this card, but. Crawler is Crawler. Crawler is Manchester, and we may leave him till last on the card because they have a huge amount of support in the arena, and it is a very special moment. And like we're all very close to Anthony. Like I feel he's a friend. I feel like what he's achieved in his career, and not sounding selfish, but it's probably one of my greatest successes. Is what we've managed to strategically position Crawler to do, of which he's gone and done it. You know, and. I never imagined when he boxed Gavin Reese or John Murray that he'd end up with those. And when you go through those, like seven nights at the arena. Well, I wanted to ask you this because I first saw him at, at, at the uh, All Whites Hotel in Bolton. And I watched him that night and he got beat. And I thought to myself, there's no way this kid's going to go on to all the things. So I wanted to ask you this. Of all the lads that you've represented, is he the one that's exceeded expectation the most? I think he's been the hard, one of the hardest workers and one of the smartest fighters. Like... Anthony in those six and eight rounders will we'll never you'll never look at him and go, Whoa, he's one, isn't he? Whoa, crawler. But what he's done over the years is he's learned how to fight, he's learned how to win. And he's very clever. Joe Gallagher's done a great job training him as well. He's used the sort of wave of support and energy from Manchester to just produce those performances. Like P Perez 1 and 2 were remarkable but Barroso was incredible even Linares 1 was incredible it was 115-113 I mean it, no, he didn't win the fight but it was a very competitive fight um, John Murray Ricky Burns like he's just you know he has that capability of now when he stepped up to Lomachenko no disgrace he's just too good but I, I don't think it's right to call Crawler an overachiever because he has the ability he probably doesn't have the natural ability of I don't know, Devin Haney and these kind of guys, but he has got absolutely every drop out of his career. And I think that is great when someone does that. Boxing, business, whatever. Anyone that gets every ounce out of what they've got is, is can go to, say, the grave, but the grave, and leave the sport and go, Do you know what, I've done it all. And I couldn't have done any more. No excuses. Each town does need a poster boy. We had Ricky. We've had, now had Anthony. Yeah. Who's next? Don't know. Maybe Little Lever Meat Cleaver. Jack Cullen. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going to have a thousand from Little Lever coming in. And um, that's a great fight. Felix Cash against Jack Cullen as well for the Commonwealth middleweight title on this card. Um, you know, we're crying out for those next stars. And there's a lot of them coming through. And they're going to emerge very, very soon. I mean, the main one on the card is Boazzi. I feel like he's kind of like the poster boy for British boxing now moving forward. And you know, Manchester's been a great city. And we need to find that new star to replace Mr. Crawler. Always good to catch up with Eddie Hearn. Um, give us a lot to think about there, didn't he? And one thing that we didn't actually speak about because it developed later on in the week was uh, the conversation of Kel Brook and Amir Khan continuing. Myself and Gareth will go through it for you next. Make sure you stick with us. This is Fight Night here on Talk Sport. Here come the hot stepper, I'm the 
Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis, as always, alongside me. Uh, just heard from Eddie Hearn there. If you missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast for you. Make sure you go to uh, TalkSport.com for any Android feeds, or if you need an iTunes feed, just go to iTunes. It's very simple. Look for Fight Night by TalkSport. He spoke about everything, but a couple of things there that I wanted to bring up with you, Gareth, because yeah. every single time we do... Uh, a show, especially over the last two months, we get loads of tweets uh, from fight fans wanting to know a little bit more on the Dillian White situation, mm. uh, and it's one of those situations that seems to have gone extremely quiet. I know that Dillian's on MasterChef at the moment, doing extremely well, but uh, obviously that was all recorded before all uh, the uh, the situation that he finds himself in. Um, have we got any news? Basically, uh, is a, is a lot of the tweets that are coming our way. Well, I mean, I'm I'm hearing that there is hopefully going to be some kind of resolution by the end of the month. I mean, obviously, um, 30 days, days hath September, so that's a week Monday. Um, mm. And, you know, you'd hope that there would be something by then. Um, you know, Dillian's career, I mean, I don't know if he goes on to win MasterChef. He's made it into the semifinals, and I've got to say, <laughs> he, makes, he makes a wicked, what was it, a yeast... Steak was it a yeast steak or something he did? I saw the salmon thing that he made and it looked very very nice. Tell so, you uh, what, I'd eat. D- I'll have listen, to tap him up. Dillian, if you're listening tonight, I'm sorry you're away at the moment, <laughs> but do you know what? If you want to cook for us ever in the studio and we want to do a show based around cooking in the kitchen with Dillian, happy to do a three-hour show cooking with the master chef that is Dillian White. I think he, he got through with who's the guy? Greg Rutherford, wasn't it? He got yeah. through to the uh, semi-finals, put the uh, put the two ladies out that day in the in the playoffs i think the man can cook you know mm. for a guy that didn't eat for days at a time growing up in kingston jamaica he really did learn to cook when it came to the uk i think he's um i think his mother is a wonderful person actually and i get that i don't know her but i always get that impression from Dillian. but i'm hearing that there, there will hopefully be some kind of resolution to this by the end of september we all want to see him back but you know it's a we very... want a resolution first and foremost we want some clarity and we want we want transparency oh. and what i hope going forward once once it is sorted and whether Dillian's cleared or not whichever way it goes there needs to be uh, a proper look at the system that the British Boxing Board of Control are using with UCAD because this can't happen again well we can't have a situation like this again no it's absolutely right Adam and I and I and I believe that um I mean, I've spoken to Robert Smith the secretary of the Boxing Board of Control and I think he's going to get a few of us kind of, I don't call myself prominent, but prominent journalists who he deals with a lot with the board who are writing these stories in in, mm-hmm. in, in different places where it's, you know, where we're grown-ups and it's read properly and we're not overreacting, um, to actually sit down with UCAD and go through the whole system. There's There's... I mean, in all my conversations with Robert Smith, there is a need, he tells me, for reform in this because they can't be... Um, um, hamstrung by the regulations that are in place at the moment. Like you said, the key words here are transparency and, and not ob- obfuscation, which is what we suffer from at the moment. We, it's a very similar case to what we had with Tyson Fury uh, and Huey Fury way back yep. when, months before Tyson Fury won the world title from uh, Vladimir Klitschko. And then mm-hmm. it came out a year later. They'd been called up on something. They'd been tested. I think it was something like 16 or 18 times afterwards to to, to verify that there was a, a, a nanogram or whatever it was in the tests that were taken um, in February 2015, I think it was. But it didn't come out till the 2016. And so we, what we need is 
the sport, not um, put up and hung and dried in front of us all, you know, in a system that clearly doesn't work at the moment. It either mm. needs clarification that... Um, the, the adverse samples that are, are showing up are not of enough concern for a ban, and that's what they have to say if they're not, and so we all know what it is. Do you know what I mean? And, uh -huh. the, and, if, and if it is a mistaken sample or a mistaken um, supplement or a tainted supplement, we just need to know what it is. Uh, Absolutely, and it, needs to be, and it needs to be cleared up quick, smart, because look what's happened here now. No matter what happens, let's say D Dillian is cleared, right? And... and um, and everything that he's allegedly done is all above board and everybody gives him the thumbs up. With a lot of boxing fans, because it's gone on for so long, they've thrown enough mud at the wall, some of that's going to stick. And it's irrelevant whether he gets cleared for a lot of people. In the back of their minds, they'll always have this this cloud of a, of a where Dillian White is at, which is unfair. That's unfair on a man's career if he's done nothing wrong. Well, I think that, I mean, that's where the whole situation with this lies. Should, you know, should it have been made public? Should it not have been made public? Well, exactly. You know, it's, it's such this a is what This is what area. I mean regarding the system yeah. just needs to be able to quash all that. The system needs to be able to come in and go, hang on a minute, yes, there's an article that has been put out here. These are the facts. Bang, 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 bang. This is the punishment. Da, 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 da. No, exactly. And we, and so, or, or, or there is no punishment. That you can, yes, in Boxing exactly. Control, say, no, there, there, there was a finding. Uh, there's yep. been an investigation. It, we, we are satisfied that someone has not been cheating here end of end Boom. Of. it's done and and and, that, and and i think that's the situation we're probably in here to be honest um mm. and like you say it the longer it goes on the more it's drawn out the wor the worse for everyone it's a horrible situation um, even, even even we as broadcasters journalists um you know <laughs> i've had people accusing me of 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 towing the line i'm not towing any line um, because we've no facts I've, we've they, not been given anything have we haven't been given anything other than one one article in Boxing Scene uh, exactly. written by Thomas Hauser, and that's what everyone has gone off because no one really, um, you know, commented at the time either from Dillian's team, um, from the Boxing Board Control, or from yeah, exactly. the UK Anti-Doping um, Agency. So it's 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 a it's a painful situation for everybody concerned. Mm. Um, obviously, the there's been a few conversations this week about Amir Khan and Kelbro. Yes. Um, and and Adam seems to oh you're, you're there Adam I, we lost yes, you for a minute I'm, I, you? I, I couldn't hear you couldn't hear oh, you for a moment I'd say something makes Gremlins it's your missus world, it's your missus because you're going off to New York me off. she's <laughs> she's just pulled out the electric she's saying he is not broadcasting anymore I want him home I love the boy I want to go to Firenze I've heard the G man about Florence tonight and I want the Florence if she's texted you tonight and asked you reply now and say yes darling. Yeah. I will. I'll get that sorted. <laughs> but yeah, you're saying <laughs> Kelbrook and, and Amir can't. Now, I'm going to yawn right now. Oh, yes. there we go. I'm not supposed to yawn on air, but yep. I am fed up of talking about Kelbrook and Amir Khan. Are you not? Yeah. 100%. Um, until I see something concrete, then I'm not even going to... I'm not even... To get excited about it's the wrong word because we're so many... We're too many years down the line, aren't we, to get excited about this fight? Listen, it's a fun fight. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I'm sure a few fans have come out. They buy a few tickets and they, they, they do a half-decent arena. But regarding the meaning of this fight, 
for for the development of welterweight or super welterweight divisions, I don't think it means that no, much. It's, I, just, I, it's just something for British fight fans. I'd rather, to, uh, see, I'd rather see those two do a cook-off in MasterChef now than fight <laughs> each other, frankly. Or, or, or if they're going to fight, let's have free tickets for 5,000 at the Goresbrook Leisure Centre in, in Dagenham. Yeah, let's just yeah. do let's just do something mad. Let's do, it, let's do it in a circus <laughs> tent at Glastonbury next year, or let's do it, you know, with, uh, in the in the in the Hell's Angels field or something. Let's do, mind you. Trouble is, if Eddie Hearn's listening, he probably would do that because he loves a good idea that's a bit wacky. Um, um, I I I think Kelbrook hasn't fought for a year. He didn't look great against um, who was it? Uh, Michael Zarafa was it last time yeah. out? He he didn't look great in that contest. Um, Amir Khan, you know, just fought Billy Dib, three weight divisions below him in in a, in a gimme, a huge payday in Saudi. Um, it, it, I, may, maybe the only way the fight gets made is an undercard fight. Um, you know, in in a big event in in somewhere like that. But I don't feel like, you know, Khan will want it to be in Manchester. Uh, Kel will want it to be in Sheffield. It's not a big fight anymore. I think it's it could be a main event, you know, with a Katie Taylor fight at the O2 Arena. But uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I really think it's two years past its sell-by date, and and it it doesn't thrill me anymore. I'm sorry, gents, and I love both these fighters and have followed their careers with great in great detail. But it just doesn't do it for me anymore, Adam. And I'm just being honest. That's fair point, and I'm sure there's a lot of people just nodding at the radio right now <laughs> in total agreement with you, mate. Yeah. Uh, listen, we've got, an hour, we've got an hour of the show left. We've got lots to get through. Uh, we're going to talk about trainers receiving criticism because there's been a lot of that over the last couple of weeks. We'll get stuck into that. We're going to talk about uh, the Aiba Boxing World Championships, the Amateur World Championships, which Pat McCormack so narrowly missed out on a goal. We'll get to that in the next 20 minutes <laughs> I t- or so. And I, t- I tell you what, though, Ed, sorry, I know you're going to go to a break. There, there is a brilliant tweet... Um, from Ben Davison, and we're going to talk about Ben and 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 uh, and Rob McCracken uh, in in the last hour. You've got to look at Ben Davison's Twitter. A fan comes for a selfie with him, and it's on video while the fight's going on with Tyson Fury and Otto Valin last weekend. If you haven't seen it, go and look at it because he is so patient with a fan who just he just shakes his head and says no, but the fan still gets the selfie with him. It's unbelievable. We'll talk about it next. Make sure you stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis with me. Uh, We are your home of boxing every single Saturday night here on TalkSport. And if you miss any part of the show, because let's be honest, it's Saturday night. You've got things to do. You might be out having a bit of a drink, a bit of a meal or a bit of a dance somewhere. Uh, and you only catch parts of the show whilst you're in a taxi on your way to wherever it may be. Don't worry, this show will be available as a podcast for you. You can get it on the TalkSport website or you can get it on iTunes. Eddie Hearn's been on the show. Anthony Kroll's been on the show. Katie Taylor's been on the show. We've had studio guests galore. Jordy Gill was on the phone. I'll tell you something, this is where it's at if you want fight talk on a week-by-week basis. And we're going to continue that narrative now because right at the start of the show, Gareth, you kind of alluded uh, to trainers getting a little bit of a hard time when their fighter either uh, doesn't do the business in the ring or their fighter um, has has uh, a moment that is uh, is 
unforeseen, let's say. Tyson Fury last week had that nasty cut and therefore John Fury, his dad, had some strong words to say about the team that is around Tyson post-fight. We've seen a lot of people make comments off the back of an interview that Rob McCracken uh, gave in the light of the uh, Ruiz uh, and Joshua fight. I think uh, a few trainers have been coming for a, a little bit of a, uh, a hard time of late. I think it's, a, an, in my opinion, a little bit unfairly. Well, I mean, you know, there's a history of, you know, to backtrack a little bit and put a bit of context to this, um, many boxers who've been on a long winning streak and, you know, go through a loss or a couple of losses often change trainers. Amir Khan's had four or five in his career. They've coincided with his losses. Um, the trainer very often becomes the full guy for the boxer. It's a bit like, I, I mean, you know, it's become very... Um, prevalent in, in, in football for football managers, managers to be yeah. blamed, isn't it? You know? And, and there's, a, there's a... I think there's a parallel here. Um, and I think it's born very often of social media. Um, you know, John, John Fury's reaction to Ben Davison last week was, was about Tyson. You know, he, he said, you know, he, he, he wasn't as hitting, hitting as hard as a kitten. Um, he didn't have a lot of power because John felt he was too light and that Ben had trained him too much. Um, but we talked earlier on about Ben's training Tyson for bigger than just boxing. He's training him for a healthy life and a healthy mind at the moment as well. It's There's a deeper picture there. Um, John John may be right in some of the things he says as well about what he believes about the weight Tyson should be. But I think last week, um, and we kind of discussed this in the opening segment of the show tonight, you know, Ben Davison had, had to keep Tyson very calm um, with it, and it, two extreme gashes. They weren't just cuts, they were gashes in very, very dangerous places in, in, on his, above his right eye. Um, I thought he kept calm and composed at all times. And, you know, I know Ben fairly well, and he's a very calm, calculated and thoughtful young person. His age is irrelevant. His mm. experience... You know, is, is is what he does for the experience he's got is actually remarkable. But what he d does and what all trainers need with their fighters is a great level of trust. Now, the case with Rob McCracken is slightly different in that, you know, in a very experienced, in a very deep chat again with Steve Bunce, you know, a, a long-standing kind of commentator and writer on the sports... Um, Rob McCracken, they know each other very well. I know that Steve covered Rob McCracken's career as well. He just mentioned the word concussed in a conversation with him. And Rob was then pulled up by uh, an article in The Sun where, where, you know, a sports reporter or a reporter had then picked up on the word concussed based on what now happens with concussion injuries in NFL and in rugby. Um, in boxing, the trainer is very acutely aware that his fighter could be hurt sometimes, but he knows him so well that he will take a very educated decision on whether it's time to pull him out or not. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he did the right thing with Anthony Joshua in the, the Andy Ruiz fight. He gave him as long as possible to try and win that fight. And if you watch the fight, Joshua was still looking for a finish, even though he's being caught. I um, think you bring up a good point there regarding know. the use of the word concussion with, mm, with Rob. Because yeah. I think he, I think he's used the wrong word. In, in the actual conversation with Bunsen. Well, he's used therefore... a word. He's used a word, Adam, that that flags that, that, yes, that the red light comes on at the moment in in our world at the moment because there's such a concern about CTE due to concussion. But um, if you've if you've heard that interview and you have and I have, yeah, 
you you know exactly what he means. Well, because we're insiders. Because we're insiders. But somebody else who has written that article has jumped on the word and looked for a spin, in my opinion, on that. And and, and thrown him under the bus a little bit, which I thought was unfair. Well, well, a standing... You know, this is one of the arguments, and I know we're going to talk a bit of mixed martial arts tonight, later on. One of the big arguments between um, those... Um, who are defending mixed martial arts and um, with with uh, abolitionists for the sports, you know, critics of the sport saying it's so much more dangerous than boxing, is that mixed martial arts um, advocates and aficionados, intellectuals, if you like, will point out that, you know, boxers have standing eight counts, yeah. even in amateur boxing as well, yeah. in which the referee's trying to discern if they're concussed and if they're in a position to carry on. Mm-hmm. We don't know if fighters are concussed. Um, the, 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 the trainer is taking that educated con- um, opinion on how hurt they really are. And let's be honest, some of the greatest fights we've ever seen and that we thrill over are the fights in which both men are down and they get up, then they go down again, and we see these incredible finishes. And it's an inherent aspect of the sport like it or not barbaric or not um medically unsound or not it's because i was asked to write something about it and i said well i'm only going to write about it from the point of view of understanding what i'm talking about which Mm. actually dispels what robert was actually saying if that makes any sense you know no absolutely and in in this obviously came out during the the fury uh otto valen fight week and i managed to catch up with uh, ben davison about it and Mm. he said well if you're going to criticize rob mccracken for his actions in a in the aj ruiz fight um, then you've got to criticise Ben for his actions in the in the Fury uh, Wilder fight because let's be honest, Tyson Fury was out. He was absolutely out in that twelfth round. And if you're going to say uh, and you use the word concussion loosely as a as a as a term where a fighter is hurt, Tyson Fury was in a mess in that 12th round but he managed to pull himself together and get the job done. All right, we ended up getting a draw, but a lot of us think he won the fight. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um... God, I mean, I, I can even, you know, even remember playing rugby myself when I was younger and we didn't have a, uh, you know, I played in an era when you had one reserve who was running the line at school and uni, who was literally the the, the, the linesman and he was the guy that came on if anyone was injured. No one seemed to get injured in those days. And mm. you, you took your knocks and I know I've played concussed in the past. It's just what happened. And boxing is a primeval sport and there there are if 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 rob mccracken had felt that anthony joshua was in in the corner was in such a position that he He'd really thought he was going to get seriously damaged in there yeah. he would have pulled him out you know yeah, no, um, no question. and and i think you know ben davison would have done exactly the same with tyson fury i mean occasionally you know we've witnessed um, beatings for a fighter where we are screaming, you've got to stop this fight now. You've seen me scream. Yeah. We've worked together on on live fights before where you're screaming yeah. at the referee to stop the fight. Um, that's why the referee's in there as well because he's that when when a, when a referee takes a boxer's um, gloves and wipes them on his shirt, he's not wiping them to wipe um, blood or anything like that. If you know what he's doing, he's testing the tensile strength yeah. of a fighter's arms. Is the strength still there in their arms? That's what they're testing. That's why they do it, because they want to know that the fighter is still 
conscious that he's in a fight, you know? Mm. And and it's an inherently dangerous sport. And I, I think I think Robert was unfairly critiqued over that. I think he did a great job on the night with Anthony Joshua because he tried to keep him in there as long as possible. They know the work they've put on in the uh, in the background, they've put into it. And, and this is their opportunity to shine. Mm. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. We are going to talk uh, about the World Amateur Championships, Fraser Clark and everything around him, Pat McCormack in the finals today, and we've got a couple of other things to speak about. Professionals against amateurs, your thoughts on that, you're more than welcome to contribute. It's all coming next here on TalkSport. Right, some good news for you. The brand new book about TalkSport, 20 years of TalkSport, is now on sale. There are contributions from all your favourite presenters covering everything from Cheltenham to the World Cup in Russia. There's loads of funny stories uh, that you'll find out how we inadvertently stopped play on our return to live test cricket. What prompted a former England and British and Irish line star to swear live on air during the Rugby World Cup finals. How we got Sir Alex Ferguson to sing karaoke at Cheltenham and what song he sang, of course and were the most hated pop stars ever to visit the studios were. And how the Queen became a TalkSport fan. All this and much, much more in the new book, 20 Years of TalkSport. It has to be read to be believed. Get your copy now from any good bookshop uh, and from our website at talksport.com forward slash book. Let's talk amateur championships, uh, shall we? Because it's been all go this week. Uh, Some of our very best amateur fighters have been uh, uh, over in Russia uh, competing for uh, various uh, various medals. Pat McCormack nearly became uh, the second gold medalist uh, that we've had in these championships. Frankie Gavin, I think, was is the only one that we've had since in 2007. Uh, male, this is. Obviously, we know that Savannah Marshall and uh, Katie Taylor have obviously picked up championships there as well. And Nicola uh, Adams. And Nicola Adams, of course, yes. Um, um, but Pat, Suffered a nasty cut earlier on and ended up with a silver medal. No shame on that. Obviously, fantastic performance from him. Uh, but I suppose the first big talking point this week was the Fraser Clark situation. He's reacted angrily, having uh, been stripped of his semi-final spots at uh, these World Boxing Championships. For those that don't know, he fought Maxim uh, Babanin uh, earlier on this week. He beat him on a split decision, but the Russian team lodged an appeal. The final round scoring was then reviewed and the result was overturned, guaranteeing Babanin. Uh, a, a bronze medal. You can understand why Big Fraz is absolutely devastated at that. Absolutely, and you can understand why AIBA, the world's amateur uh, governing body for uh, amateur boxing for these world championships, are not allowed to oversee the Olympic competition this year. And that, thankfully, the um, the qualifying for the Olympic Games takes place from January to April, Adam, and is out of the hands of AIBA this year because um, the well, not only were they unhappy with the president uh, of AIBA, who was whose whose bank accounts had been frozen mm-hmm. because he was involved, uh, according to the FBI and the American uh, state, in in um, in drug trafficking and all so- kinds of allegations, um, world drug trafficking, um, which which included heroin allegations of um, of of the, of the si- most most serious nature um, in organised crime. Um, Aiba, for a long time, um, and at several games, have had a reputation for fixed matches 
in uh, amateur boxing, leading to gold medals for athletes that didn't deserve them. No one will ever forget the single finger salutes on both <laughs> hands from our friend Michael Conlon um, at the end of the of the Rio 2016 games, and the accusations accused, um, uh, appointed rather at uh, some of the French. Um, officials at the games mm -hmm. and, and if we remember now Joe Joyce was in a final yeah. with a guy called Tony Yoka, Tony Yoka and, yeah. and I really felt that um, Joe Joyce deserved that gold medal he ended up with a silver medal um, against Tony Yoka in, in those games um, I, I th I've watched the bout I think um, Fraser clearly won the, f of the fight I think it's an absolute disgrace and you know what can we do when there seems to be and obviously the event's taking place in Ekaterinburg in Russia um, mm. what can you do as, as, as Fraser said um, on Friday I think it was wasn't it it's um, the best moment of my career and the worst moment of my career happened within a few hours of each other it was out of my hands I just turn up and compete this has to go to people with more knowledge and understanding of the situation. This is a guy, I remember, won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, and along with Pat McCormack, as you rightly mentioned, who is a very formidable young boxer. Um, they are our two best, I think, male hopes um, for the... Um, for the games in Tokyo the next Olympics, year, yeah, yeah um, for, for the Olympic Games in Tokyo next year, along with Caroline Dubois, uh, Daniel Dubois' sister, who I hope does get into the uh, into the female squad as well. What What is your take on professional fighters being allowed to compete in uh, the AUB Games? Well, I mean, that, that, look, they had the World... Um, uh, the, it's not, it wasn't the World Series of Boxing. Yes, it was. It was the World Series of Boxing that Aiba created a couple of years back in which they were allowing um, semi-pros and pros to fight in for different countries without head guards. I mean, Vasyl Lomachenko even took part in that for a little mm. while as well. And he got gained some great experience for turning pro, of course. Um, you know, they brought in the ruling before... Um, Rio in, in 2016 um, that um, they were going to allow world champions, even world champions from the professional ranks into the amateur ranks. I think Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao both said at one time in press conferences that they wouldn't mind going back into the Olympics. Yeah. Amir Khan said the same thing. Amir Khan yeah. as well, yes. Try and win the gold rather than just the, the silver as he did as a 17-year-old in 2004 uh, at Athens. Um, no, I don't agree with it, but I, 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 are you, are you um, wanting to make the fight between yeah um, on, on the actual state of professionals competing in these games I don't agree with it I think it should be purely amateur mm. because I think once you've made the decision to turn over and become a professional athlete and obviously get paid professionally then you've made your choice and that's where you're at and certain things in the sport whether they be Olympic gold medals or world amateur gold medals they are now no longer available to you but world titles are and that is the path that you have chosen and you should be cracking on with that However, the situation this week where we've seen a professional fighter uh, who's had six professional fights, one or six professional fights, take on um, uh, an elite amateur and end up knocking him out. And I've seen the, I've seen the furore. I've seen Maurizio Suleiman, for example, jump on board with this, saying that it's an absolute farce that this has been allowed to happen. My take on that is that, first of all, Maurizio Suleiman sanctioned or or had a belt sanctioned for a fight between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. And Conor McGregor's not a boxer at the end of the day, and Floyd Mayweather, as we would all say, is, is one of the very best. We've got a situation over in America where we've got two YouTube lads who have, who, who have turned professional in order to, uh, in, in order to compete uh, in, in boxing. 
It's called a the, YouTube the, title, by the way, do you know Yes, that? something yeah. like that, yeah, yeah. My, my, my take on, and the word professional and amateur in most sports probably rings alarm bells with a lot of people. However, in boxing, it's very, very different because we're not talking, amateurs in boxing aren't guys that are, and girls that are stacking shelves during the week and just having a knock at the weekend. They're full-time athletes. They're sponsored, they're, they're in camp 24-7, they're going all over the world, they're doing all sorts of things. In effect, they are professional athletes. They're just competing in the amateur form of the game. And the guy that was knocked out in the fight in question this week, I think he had a record of 113 wins, seven losses at yeah, the amateur level. No, that's you know what right. I mean? We're not talking. We're not talking about a tin can. This guy was. This guy was legit. And the professional that knocked him out had literally knocked over six tin cans in in the professional game. So when Maurizio Suleiman was jumping on it this week and and, and causing a bit of a furore, and I saw Tony Bell, you mention it, and a couple of other people jumping on it as well, I just thought, do you know something? Uh, that side of the argument, I don't see. I, I agree that professionals shouldn't be in it because I think it should just be for amateurs that are that are competing at an amateur level and for, for amateur uh, prizes, let's say, and professionals should be off to compete for professional prizes. But the actual competition between a professional fighter and an amateur fighter, I don't think there's that much difference these well, days. Well, well look, um, we don't allow professionals, um, or no, we do actually, we do allow professionals in the um, in the Commonwealth Games. Here, here's what's happened. Um, that that fight you mentioned between Uzbekistan's Bakodir Jalilov, yeah. who's 6-0 and as a pro, um, He the, it is a pretty brutal knockout. I mean, he's a much yes, bigger man than, than the American Richard Torres who he knocked out. And as you rightly say, Torres had 120 amateur bouts, so he's, no, yeah. he's no novice. Um, and Mauricio Suleiman, actually, the WBC president, who I would consider a friend, I, I get on with him on most things, but I don't agree with him on this. He actually called it brutal and criminal, Adam. Mm. And he's wrong. It wasn't criminal at all. But the blurring of the lines, this is where I, I, I think... I agree with you, and, I, and I'm, I'm very strong on this. There is a distinct difference. Um, you can separate them almost as two distinct and separate sports, and we treat them as such yeah. in boxing, amateur boxing and professional boxing. One is prize fighting, and the other is boxing, the art of boxing. The objectives are different in, um, in amateur boxing. The round structure is different. The of styles course, yeah. are different. Yeah. Um, and there are people who are more suited to amateurs than they are to the pros. Um, Audley Harrison was almost unbeatable as an amateur uh, heavyweight, yep. but he couldn't, or super heavyweight, but he wasn't the best style as a professional boxer. Um, but th th there are so many different factors. But when you go to the Olympics and you look at the look at the landscape now, um, you've got professional golfers playing in the Olympics. You've got um, professional. Um, track and field athletes competing mm. in the games, professional basketball players. Um, and then you've got these swathes of other sports, fencing, um, show jumping is professional, but it's it's in the in the in the games as well. Um, there's a whole strata of sports that are professional or amateur. Um, there's not professional judo. There's not professional taekwondo. They're all amateurs. So there's a whole mishmash that has developed over the years. It was originally a Corinthian Games, uh, a, a very much an amateur games. It no longer is. It's a professional code is littered throughout the, the, the Olympic Games. And that's where the confusion is. And I think Aiba made a mistake um, under Dr. Ching Ki, Ki Wu when they allowed professional boxers 
to come into amateur boxing. And it's it should be outlawed, and then we know where we stand with amateurs yep. and pros. And it's as simple as that. I think you've nailed it. There Thank you go. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Start We've got We've got half an hour of the show remaining. We're going to do a little bit of mixed martial arts. We're going to talk Billy Joe Saunders next because he's on the undercard of this KSI Logan Paul card, which is coming up a little later on this year. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night on Talk Sports. Don't call it a comeback. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davies alongside me. Now, when Billy Joe Saunders signed to Matchroom, the uh, the big ticket uh, in that press conference, if you remember, Gareth, was welcome to the big time. Well, the big time seems to be fighting on the undercard of uh, two novices, two lads that have uh, never pulled on professional gloves. Don't get me wrong. I understand the whole point of uh, KSI and Logan Paul going at it again because it makes an awful lot of business sense. Does it make an awful lot of sense for Billy Joe Saunders to be fighting on the un- their undercard when he's a world champion? Are you asking me? I am asking you. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, listen, I, I put my hands up right now, Ad. I'm probably going to go and cover the fight, yeah? Um... I'm I'm looking to be there. I, I'm. Fascinated. You love cultural you, cultural developments of this sport, don't you? And and it is one of those moments. It's a groundbreaking moment. There's no question about look, it. Look, the, the the minute that this did 20 million views on YouTube last year at 750 a pop, mm-hmm. and it did 150 million pounds or dollars, whatever, whichever it was, and it was a a sensation on YouTube. I spoke to some of the people that went there that night to see it at Manchester Arena and it was a lot of families with young kids yeah. and teenagers and totally um, different demographic. T- totally totally different. different demographic. Sold out arena. A lot of fun. Um, and I think it should have been left at that. I think this is a, a whole stage too far. Um, I mean I was you know, critiquing it earlier on with 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 Laura and uh, Laura Woods and Mr. Bent, uh, you know, on on their football show earlier, that I feel like it's an insult to Eddie Hearn's calling it a circus, but I feel deep down that it it it, in, it insults the the lifeblood of what what professional boxing is all about, you know, um, and maybe amateur boxing. It was a glorified duel. Last year, it was um, the, the the richest white collar fight in history, and I yeah. think that's what it is. And I think DAZN and Matchroom USA have seen, you know, a promotional opportunity. Uh, yes, they'll bring a new audience to the likes of Billy Joe Saunders and whoever he fights on the night there, and the other pro boxers on the card, and they will fill out the Staples Center in Los Angeles, and you know they'll be. Um, huge numbers of people watching. My God, six million people, by the way. You know this figure. Six million people watched the press (laughs) conference for KSI (laughs) and Logan Paul the other day. Um, So it comes down to market forces. I've seen some of your tweets and and comments on it as well. You know, it is about market forces at the end of the day. You know, and it's as simple as that. Listen, it's a business, uh, and business is a a numbers game, and these lads have got 20 million subscribers on each of their YouTube channels. That's 40 million eyes. If you do the maths and the percentages and various things like that, if only uh, a very slither of their audience come to watch this fight, that's 400,000 people, and maybe they fall in love with a Billy Joe Saunders or a Devin Haney who's supposed to be uh, reported to be fighting on this undercard. I I totally get what you're saying. It, It is a little bit insulting to those guys that have done it the hard way, the small hallway and what have you. But what I think it does, because the world is changing so much and it is getting a lot smaller with all these social media platforms and people have these platforms in order to promote themselves now. They're not relying on the likes of a Don King or, with all due respect, an Eddie Hearn or a 
and Frank Warren, they've got the opportunity to promote themselves. Mm. And if I was a young fighter now coming through and I had a little bit of chat about myself and I fancy myself as a fighter and maybe in the in future to become a world champion, I'd set up a YouTube channel or I'd be prominent on Instagram or I'd be, I'd, I'd be communicating on those platforms regularly. There's a reason why Dave Allen, and this is no disrespect to Dave Allen, there's a reason why Dave Allen has been headlining and involved in so many pay-per-views on Eddie Hearn's card. It's nothing to do with his boxing technique or his prowess, and that's no disrespect to him. There's better, more talented fighters out there than Dave Allen. It's because he engaged with an audience on his social media platform, and he can do numbers. That's the reason why he's there, and I'm, as we've spoken to him on many occasions, he's made an awful amount of money out of this yeah, game. But he, but he also, he also delivered. He didn't obviously deliver against David Price, and David Price had a great night that night when we were at the O2 Arena on the undercard of Dillian White and Oscar Rivas. But what he what he did do was he 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 talked the talk, and then he walked the walk against Lucas Brown, didn't he? And it elevated him into a headline event, and he had his he had his crossover moment. Yeah. And like you say, um, you but know, if you're a young talented fighter. Look at that, and, oh, and, yeah. and, ampl- and amplify that. Well, get on but, the social but, media. Get on the get on the YouTube and, and, and create a platform for yourself. You, you you can, but I think you've got to be yourself. I mean, one one of the things I would say, and um, one of the reasons why I I, I I wouldn't call it resentment, but one of the reasons why I have a little bit of bad feeling towards Logan Paul is I do not like the fact that part of him he used his um he already had a big following and i think he he overstepped the mark by by broadcasting a a, a video on his on his or streaming or putting up a a, a suicide victim yeah. uh, in japan on 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 his youtube channel and i and you know it, there there are levels here there are levels of distaste there are um, there are things that I think we have to take a stand against, a mature stand against. But what I will say is this: I mean, I've met KSI. I mean, he, he's got. A, I did a, a shoot with him and um, Anthony Joshua recently uh, with, with William Hill, the, the, the betting agents, and um, he's got a great physique. He's very balanced physically. He and Logan Paul both have. You know they've both got great bodies. Logan Paul was a was a was. A, no, what I mean is they're not. It's not two butter beans. You know, yeah. it's not two butter beans. It's not two pear shaped people fighting each other. They have a gym membership. They, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they've got more than a gym membership. They're both and they use it. Yeah, Logan Paul it. was a, de- a very decent wrestler in his younger days. You know, um, but I, I look. It, it's a crossover thing, like you say. I mean. The, the 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 Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather look they're both pro- professional fighters but it was cross codes you know it was it was Bath against who was it Wigan rugby league and rugby union yeah. was it Bath and Wigan all those years ago I think it was um, you know that that does happen it, it is a marketing ploy but I I don't know there's something about it that's strange and and it will do big numbers I'm not convinced though that it's going to make their audience fall in love with boxing I may be wrong because the W WWE audience came to the UFC and really enjoyed it and grew up and 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 mm. came you know into into MMA with with the likes of Brock Lesnar and people like yeah. that crossing over. Um, but it then is, you it get. Is a, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say it's a, it's a fascinating moment. It is in, it is in our sport anyway, just to see how that new audience comes to the game. And if they do come to the game, you never know they might stick around for something like a Canelo versus Kovalev because that's something that I'm absolutely fascinated with. Canelo just constantly calling out. I mean, obviously, we're all 
when I say all, oh, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating a touch. I'm most certainly interested in a, a Triple G fight or maybe a Callum Smith fight. For him to then jump even higher than that and try and take on uh, Sergei Kovalev at, uh, at light heavyweight, it absolutely fascinates me, this fight. I, I, I agree with what you said right at the start of the show. A lot of the bookies are saying, well, Kovalev's just too big and he'll, he'll, he'll wear the smaller man down. I just think there's a lot of real estate there for uh, Canelo to work into the body, you know what I mean, and chop this tree down and become, uh, and add another um, weight world title to uh, to his already existing mantle. Look, I, I think um, the, people say that there's a huge difference in weight. Look, um, Saul Canelo Alvarez uh, was always a big middleweight. I mean, he, he's, he's at the peak of his powers now. There's not a huge difference between 168 and 175 pounds. He's not going to have to cut weight. He's going to be. But able is to he a natural 168? Is 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 he not normally a, a 160? Would you say? Well, he started at light middle as well, didn't he? Yeah, so of he, course. He started yeah. at 154 pounds. But he's still so. a world champion at 160, isn't he? Um. He is. He's a champion at world champion at 160. He's a world champion at 168 pounds. Yeah. He started as a 15-year-old, yeah. Um, and he's, what is he, 28 now. He is really, I mean, I spent time around him before the last fight that he had. And, you know, he physically, he's so powerful. He's built like a, he's built like a kind of first-class hooker in rugby. He's got a very, very <laughs> terse neck. I'm, gl- I'm um, glad that you said in rugby. In rugby. Yeah, well, I like to clarify <laughs> these things. It's a Saturday night and, you know, there's a lot going on around the world. But, <laughs> um, you know, we, we were talking about amore and pizzas and everything. I just want to be absolutely clear that this is a this is a family show, um, even though it's fighting. Um, but, the, but, you know, I, I think he's got a fantastic chance against Kovalev. Um, I think he beats him. I yeah, really I, I, I agree with him. you. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a terrific fight. Um, it's one last huge payday for Kovalev. Um, as, as he said in the press conference this week, he, he thought it was a joke, first of all. And then as soon as Egis Klimas, his manager, said, no, no, yeah. they're serious about it. He said, show me the contract. I'll sign straight away. There's no weight draining for Kovalev, who still has to cut hard to 175 pounds. I don't think he's the force he was. Look no. what um, look what our friend Anthony Yard um, from East London proved against him earlier in the... Or from, from Hackney proved against him uh, just a couple of weeks ago that he can be hurt to the body. Canelo's teak tough, um, and I do really believe that he's going to get the job done. And I think he that'll be it. Then he'll do three weights, and uh, and I think he'll come back to, down to super middle and, uh, and and middleweight. I'm also fascinated to see because uh, th- th- those two weeks are going to be second of November and ninth of November, isn't it? Uh, Los Angeles yeah. and Las Vegas. I'm fascinated to see who Billy Joe Saunders is going to be up against on the undercard of KSI <laughs> and Logan Paul. I thought I'd never say that 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 sentence, um, but you know, I think he needs a guy that's going to get him really, really on edge um, yeah. and get the best out of him. Because I agree. if he can replicate. Uh, you know, bull versus a matador against the bull like he did against David Lemieux. Yes, he will have a legion of, of new fans. Um, you know, Eddie Hearns admitted that Logan Paul and, and KSI is a circus, but I think the... I'm, I'm wrong about those numbers, by the way. I think it's 10 million people have watched that press conference online, not 6 million. It's incredible, Crazy. Adam. They're, they're, they're astronomical numbers, frankly. They are. 
They are. They're absolutely crazy numbers. Listen, we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about fights in November when we've got an absolute cracker lined up at the Royal Albert Hall on Friday. Yep. Daniel Dubois, he picked up a lovely accolade this week, didn't he? The uh, uh, Young Fighter of the Year, and rightfully so, because his performances over the last 12 months have really got us on the edge of our seats and uh, excited about what is to come for this young boy. Yeah, I mean, he's so talented. Um, obviously, he's... Uh... He's got a lot of work to do ahead of him, um, but I loved his comment um, when he when the, won the Jeffrey Simpson Award for Best uh, Young Boxer of the Year from the British Boxing Writers. It's a, it's a thing we we vote for um, every year. Um, he said it'll make my dad very happy because his yeah. dad Stan um, is is uh, is so dedicated to to him and his brother Prince, who's only fifteen, um, and his sister, of course. Caroline Dubois, who we hope is going to be at the Olympics next uh-huh. year. But this is an award that has been won by, you know, Joe Calzaghe, Ricky Hatton, Namir Khan. And, and, but he's the first heavyweight to win this for 26 years. So it just shows you um, what what's the, the writers in Britain uh, think of him. And uh, I think he thoroughly deserves it. I think he's had an amazing year. And a big weekend next weekend on Friday night. He fights at the Royal Albert Hall and hopefully picking up another trinket uh, Commonwealth title this time on the line. Absolutely, and and also, um, you know, um, I think I've I've had a, a little look at his opponent, Mr. Tete, um, the African fighter who throws a, mm. a big fella, throws a lot of winging hooks, and I think Daniel dismantles him in five or six rounds, in my view. Once you get hit by that big jab and that booming right hand, you, you don't want to stay in there long. Listen, he could have a loss along the way. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and we must mention, of course, Adam, that uh, Nicola Adams... Um, yes. Same tribe as you, obviously. Um, um, although that's your first name, Adam, rather than Adams. You're not Adam Scatterall, <laughs> but the, 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 she's <laughs> she's now. I've done where I'm going with that one. I think I'll just leave that alone. Um, she is now obviously a world champion, um, given that she has won it by, in a sense, default. Yeah, but it's been a I very think she'll weird want to, career. I think she. Yeah, it has been a bit of a weird career, and I think she wouldn't have wanted to become world champion in this way, having such a successful amateur career. But uh, next weekend. Uh, at the Royal Albert Hall she's got an opportunity to to rubber stamp the fact that she is the best in this division and I'm sure she'll be wanting to put on a bit of a show yeah absolutely look she's only had five fights um that's what that's what the shocker is that it's been difficult to get her matched um you know it's a double Olympic gold medalist remember um a woman who's loved in the country who's uh, a pathfinder and a, and a role model in many many ways and uh, let's hope she can defending the WBO female flyweight title against Maria Salinas um, mm. of Mexico can really put on a great performance at this hallowed and venerated, um, you know, kind of small um, but brilliant arena to have fights in. Do stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. We've got about 15 minutes to go and we're going to talk a bit of MMA. Nice bit of singing. I'm waiting for you then. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> uh, this is TalkSport Fight Night. Near enough done. Let's have a quick uh, delve into the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, right now, the uh, UFC are in Mexico City doing their thing. Um, Paul Craig from Scotland's just won tonight, which I'm delighted yeah. for him for. 
I just want to have a quick chat about the uh, press conference this week because yeah. UFC 244 is coming to us from New York City. Darren Till's on there against uh, Kelvin Gastelum. But the main event, they've even created a, ben- uh, a belt for this. The themselves. BMF they- belt. That's it, the BMF belt. The bad n- n- belt. You, you, they, they don't know what it means, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ned Diaz versus uh, Jorge Masvidal. Fascinating press conference this week where Jorge Masvidal walked out dressed as Tony Montana. Yeah, he looked good to me in his red suit. Yeah, yeah, he looked fantastic. Oh, he I, looked amazing. He did. It's a brilliant It's a brilliant matchup. I mean, this is where Conor McGregor's losing out at the moment, frankly, for me. I mean, I know he's tweeted December the 14th. He could be bringing out a new Sherry Ports. Um, well, that I mean, is the day of UFC... Yeah. UFC 245 is scheduled for December the 14th in Vegas. Will yeah. they, and they've done it before, if Connor's serious, will they shift the venue from Vegas to Dublin? Uh, no. no. No, because it doesn't work. I mean, they, they can't have... I they agree. Got, they've got to do I, it. At, they, it's a big pay-per-view event. Um, I think it is. And I, I think, you know, I, could, I reckon if it's anyone, it's going to be Frankie Edgar, in my view. That's who I think it'll be. Because um, I think they need a soft relaunch for Conor McGregor. Um, but he is losing out at the moment, in my view, Adam. I mean, I do, I've just done a cover story with Jorge Masvidal for Fighters Only magazine that's out next uh, Tuesday. It comes out, I think. Yeah. He, he was so brilliant with me. I'm not joking. I mean, I was there when he knocked Ben Askren out in, I think it was two and a half seconds, not four and a half or five <laughs> seconds. But he, he, he gave me so many amazing quotes. He said, I'm no hero. I never have been. I'm a local goon who took a man's, a hated man's soul. And he talked all about kind of growing up in South Florida. And he's such a top boy. He really is. And they are the two most... I think it's the most popular fighter belt, uh, frankly. Uh, because, no question. Because they, they are they they are people who are so true to themselves and always have been, and that's what we love about them. And they are both pure fighters who will never change. And that and and, and they're not they're not affected by money. They're not affected by fame. They are just themselves, and that's why we like them so much. And they are hard BMFs as well. That's correct. And I, I don't. The thing that I find fascinating is how the UFC have moved on since Conor McGregor. Because yeah, now we're in a situation. What we're, we're, we're talking about a fight now. This is the fight. Before it was made, everybody wanted this. We want Jorge Masvidal Net Diaz. That's the fight that we can make. Mm. Over the last three years, when have you been able to, to go to a fan and say, right, give me the dream fight that you want? Nine times out of ten, Conor McGregor's name would have been mentioned in that yeah, conversation. Yeah. Well, it's gone no, now. You know. It has gone, and it's yeah, such a shame yeah. because he ha- he had it all, and I don't know where he's at at this moment in time. I just hope that he can get back to some well, type of fighting fitness in order to see him again. Because let's be honest, there's nothing like a Conor McGregor fight week. No, it's brilliant. It, I, I mean, I, I I thrilled to it. I'm you know I I was I had the privilege of making documentaries on him, you know, with BT Sport back in the day, and you know it, it's it's an abs- it was an absolute pleasure to be around him. He, he only he breathed and it did millions of views. You know, mm. um, you know he he was part of the whole internet revolution. He put mixed martial arts really into the mainstream. I mean, you know, he wasn't he, he's an outrageous character. I mean, and I just hope he gets himself back because I think the best place for him is is fighting and in the gym and so on. And John Kavanagh says he does always train, but his, his coach, John Kavanagh. But the trouble is, 
he he doesn't realise that he's wasting so much time. I mean, next week I'm I'm going to Dublin next Friday. I know you're going to Copenhagen for mm. the UFC on Saturday. I'm going to Dublin on the Friday. James Gallagher, one of his prototypes, yes. if you like, one of his kind of like you know he's like a little Conor McGregor. He's fighting Roman Zalazar there. You know Benson Henderson, Miles Dury. I mean that's a great card. And there's an LA card the night after with Musasi against Machida, another Bellator event. But you know UFC and Bellator events, it's coming thick and fast. But there's no Conor McGregor and. It is frustrating. Mm. I don't know if you feel like that, you know. I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I've kind of moved on a little bit, yeah. you know, because, like you said, the, the, the game's moved on. I mean, don't get me wrong; he achieved some fantastic things. The night against Eddie Alvarez, where he became the champ, champ, was a sensational night. But mm. I think the game has moved on. Don't get me wrong; I miss Conor McGregor fight weeks, but. Is he the same Conor McGregor? I don't know. Is his heart still in it? I don't know. Only time's going to tell on that. Everyone Listen, has you... their time, Adam. That's the they point. Do. And, and, don't, and, and, and I think he might realise in the long term that he may have wasted a couple of years when he could have still been capitalising and changing things, you know. I mean, but mm. time will tell. Um, enjoy Dublin. I'll uh, enjoy, enjoy Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Have a Absolutely, little singing. My man. <laughs> uh, and we'll be uh, back bringing you some more fight content over the next seven days here on TalkSport, so make sure you come and join us for that. If you've missed any part of this show, it will be available on a podcast for you. Um, you are looking for TalkSport.com for the website if you need an Android feed, or you can go to iTunes and you are looking for Fight Night by TalkSport. Get yourself on there, subscribe to it, and you'll never miss any of our content. Um, the boys from Extra Time are coming up next. Have a wonderful evening. We'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.